My name's Stuart. This is my dear friend, Andrew Gall, and this is the Not Your Mother's Podcast. Cheers. This podcast has been a long time coming. Yeah. And uh, I've known Andrew for a lot of years, and Andrew's known me for a lot of years. And as you'll notice, we are in a different setting tonight. Uh, today, this morning, whenever this goes up, I don't know. <laughs> it usually goes up at night because I have terrible issues uploading almost every time. So... On this occasion, um, we are in a different setting. I'm actually in Florida with Welcome. Andrew. Thank you. It's great. Anything, what is it? Everything, anything goes in Florida? Anything goes say in I'm Florida. Big mouth. Um, <laughs> I'm having a great time. He's been an incredibly hospitable guest, and it's been great being here with him. And um, This was, unless we did a Facebook Live, which I don't think would do us no. justice, the two of us, yeah. there was no other way for us to get this done. So here we are in Florida uh, filming an episode of Not Your Mother's Podcast. I would like to do a little bit of housekeeping at the beginning, so we're going to start with this whiskey. Also, while I was here in Florida, I was able to uh, meet up with a dear friend of, of mine and of the podcast, Jimmy Wilson, Jay Wilson, and um, I actually don't really know her that well from college, but um, we've gotten to know each other since, and she gifted us with this uh, delicious whiskey. This is, not whiskey, bourbon whiskey, Redemption Straight Bourbon Whiskey, and uh, it's funny because she... She got it for me, for the podcast, and uh, we're both from Indiana. Me and Jenny are both from Indiana. Sorry, Andrew's the guest, and we're not going to talk about Andrew right now. <laughs> I can <laughs> go. Talk about Jenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll call you back Thanks. when it's time. By we, I mean me. And uh, Janine actually gave this to me. She didn't even look at the back. It's distilled in the Indiana Heartland bottled by Redemption Barrel Selections, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. So that's kind of neat. Uh, RedemptionWhiskey.com. So that was pretty cool that... Even though she didn't notice it, uh, I do like the idea of redemption whiskey. And then we've drunk on the podcast before John Bannister got uh, Preacher's Pardon whiskey, which was really, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> it actually had a Bible verse on the back and everything. <laughs> it's terrific. Um, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get at the liquor store. So anyways, let me tell you uh, how me and Andrew got to know each other. So myself and Andrew Gall are from the freshman class at Hiles Anderson of the year 2004. 2004. And we were roommates in 2004. Indeed. On Rice 1 and Rice 111. Rice 111. Yep. So it was me, and I don't mind saying everyone's names, and Andrew and Gavin and Kenny Gillardi. Well, Gavin Corwin. Uh, Kenny, well, Kenny's going to come to all the second Yeah, time. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk yeah, about yeah. that. I'm just giving them the whole room. Shut the fuck up. Let me talk. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> it's not my show. <laughs> about to be if i get drunk enough it'll be your show kenny uh and jorge and todd that jorge robles. Uh, robles and todd Baverson. so that was our room our freshman year but yes it didn't start out that way and we were talking earlier you said you were the first person in the room is that right i was i i have a very vivid memory of walking in very excited to meet my new roommates right. <laughs> nobody was there nobody was there <laughs> that's fucking great i love it and you were saying you were assigned to that room i don't remember being assigned I'm 100% sure somebody told yeah. me where to go. Because huh. no, I, I, I came in, I went to the it. tent, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they told me where to go, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then I had to run the gauntlet of the bus ministry, oh, God. you know, uh, Greek rush, my bus route. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, I got to my room, threw my shit down. I was the only one, I do remember being the only person in our room who did not have parents with them. Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, my mom <laughs> and I drove up uh, okay. together. And uh, she has really bad highway anxiety. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was supposed to be a straight-through drive, 18 hours. Oof, that's a long drive. Turned into, like, two and a half days. Yeah, for sure. A couple of really awkward... Nights in hotel. hotel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Been there. And, uh... Not with your mom. Other than <laughs> <the> mom <laughs> <stay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
And then, um, <laughs> and then she pretty much dropped me on, um, what was it, Burr Avenue? Was yeah, it? Burr. Yeah, on Burr. Yeah. And, uh, that was it. I got to kiss goodbye. See ya. Drag my shit down the driveway. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, I really don't yeah. remember the room being assigned. I really thought that I, and we were talking about this earlier, I really thought that I found Gavin. I was like, hey, we're going to be roommates. Because I've known Gavin Corwin uh, for a lot of years. Cheers, and, Gavin. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers to Gavin, for sure. Just call me. Right away. Mm. I got an essential part of the cheers. <clears throat> Oof. It's really good whiskey. <laughs> yeah. I'm just out of practice these days. Uh, so I, I really thought that's how it went, but I could be wrong. But when we started, it was uh, I was when you walked in the door, I was on the bottom right, and there was no one above me. And on the bottom left, I think was Gavin. Yes. And then Jorge was above him. As you walk into the room. Yep. And yep. Jorge was above him. And we had the, the those stupid bookcases that just took up room. We put books on that no one read. Well, maybe you read your books on your mind. And then this, the the uh, sorry the closets, the bookcases, and then you were on the left. It was just you in the front part of the room. Me in the back with my tent. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that for sure. Uh, Andrew with his tent, um, and then on the right hand side were the dressers, and then we had a window um, that you could look out and see people walking. Well, through. it was ground. It wasn't so. It was like a half window, right? Because it was ground it was, level. Yeah, it was ground level. But the ground started halfway up the window. Did it really? I don't so remember that. Half the window was just dirt. <laughs> it sounds far from how it was grass. <laughs> and then, like, and then, eight inches of sunlight. You could look sunlight. out of the, the bunker and you could see. <laughs> That's terrible. It sounds right. I mean, it's a fucking monastery. They didn't care. Uh, yeah, but Andrew had a tent, uh, as he just alluded to, so I'm going to bring that up. Because um, there was no one above Andrew, and so Andrew had. I don't know at what point during the year you'd put it there, but you put a uh, you put blankets around so blankets. he could so he could he could sleep uh, without interruption and so no one could bother him and do so whatever about that. I'm not going to get <laughs> into all that, um, <laughs> but um, I do remember that vividly. I think the only I don't have that many vivid memories from that room, but I think the one of the most vivid because it scared the shit out of me was John Junkins, who's a complete dick. Was uh, a complete dick. I don't know. Junkins. I don't know if he still is. I would like to think that he's not. Um, but it was, I think it was after bus, I think it was after a Sunday night church, or maybe it was after work, because it was super late. I had, um, I still had my, um, I had a MacBook back then, too. My grandpa had given me. It's nice to be rich. Yeah, it's super nice, too. I love being rich. It's the best. <laughs> you know, I'm not rich. Uh, but I had, I had a, okay, I had a Dell. Is that better? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's still good. I don't <laughs> All right, so, um. A, Do you remember I had my little Palm Pilot that I plugged no, into I my that. expandable keyboard? Oh yeah, I remember so the keyboard. for for yeah. my graduation present, my parents blessed them. <laughs> all blessings. All Everybody else in my graduation class got a laptop or a computer, which is what you needed for your send off to go to college right. with. I got a Palm Pilot. <laughs> I do remember this now. With the stylus that yep. you had to poke at. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't even like a legit one, like by Microsoft. No. Like it was yeah. like an off brand. Right. It was the Dollar Club. General. Yeah. And then an expandable keyboard that like it folded up and then you expanded <laughs> it, which was kind of cool. But then like the Palm Pilot plugged into it and I would type my shit. And then I would go down to John Stu's room because he was the only motherfucker that had a he, he had cable that would set. connect yeah, to his yeah, thing. And then I would print my reports. <laughs> I'm not. That's terrible. That's fucked, dude. Do you remember when John Sue would do his subwoofer test? 
No. Bro, because their their room was next to ours. All yes. the California kids. Yes. And it was all of them and Chris Turner, I think. Yeah. And then I feel like Jeremy Swanner was in there too, but maybe not. They had a full room though. They did. We were the only room on Rice One that wasn't full. For the most part. <laughs> until until we well, were yeah. full. Yeah. In the beginning. Yeah, no, it was like packed. It was a big uh it was a big uh big enrollment that year for sure, at least as far as I know. Um but John was it? Was like it really? Damn. I, don't, I don't even know what they have now. It's under That's probably the entire college. <laughs> no. Including staff. <laughs> no, no. It's under like a thousand now. Oh, wow. For sure. I don't know exactly. Someone wow. will correct me here and let me know, and I appreciate that. But yeah, um, John Sue, because he had a huge sound system, which what could you bump on it? Faith something from Faith Music Mission. It was garbage. But he had a huge sound system, and he had a computer that he built himself. The guy's a genius. And uh, he, every once in a while, there's a sub subwoofer subwoofer however you say it there's a subwoofer test and when you run it it just sounds like a fucking plane is landing and he would you remember, remember that? that yeah <laughs> plane got you no he would do that test and uh oh my god everyone in the dorms like what the no one would say fuck like, what are you doing like, everyone would be so pissed and it was a room right next to ours and no offense to john but he would never do it at like you know, it wasn't like in the middle of the day. It was, no, it was like yeah. 11 o'clock at night. night. <laughs> After lights out. <laughs> fucking freight train going through the doors. <laughs> fucking I, had a very, I have two very specific memories about that. that. Was it Rice 110, right? I think it was, it was 109. It was 109. 109. Yeah, it was, yep. it was odd numbers. So the first was we were all in the dorms one night. I forget why, but something had happened that everybody was home. Mm-hmm. And so we were doing all these random games in the hallway. We were chucking, like, uh, somebody had a racquetball. We were yeah. like, throwing mm-hmm. it as hard as we could back and down the, hall- yeah. the hallway, like dodgeball yeah. and racquetball. Always a good time. And at some point, John, who was an amazing athlete. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He was good at everything he did. Fuck you, John Sue. <laughs> I love I'm you. Just kidding. No, 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 it's a joke. It's, it's a joke. Great looking kids. Yes. Mm-hmm. Beautiful family. Absolutely. He's like Barry Smith now. <laughs> Bless you. Praying for you. Praying for you. I love you. <laughs> love you. Fuck you. Love you. Um, what? <laughs> so he was going to do this thing where he was going to do this Spider-Man run. On the wall. On the yeah, wall. Yes, yes, yes. So He's he a wall takes wall. a running start. Yeah. He jumps up onto the one wall. He takes like four steps. Oh, and then he tries part? to launch over to the other <laughs> wall. And both of his legs go straight <laughs> through the drywall. And there's like there's like thirty guys out on the hallway at this point. Everybody goes dead quiet. John's laying on his back with his legs in the wall. Yeah. So then like nobody had to say a word. Just everybody scattered. Somebody pulled John out of the wall. And all of a sudden there's like six vacuum cleaners on the floor. Like every vacuum cleaner in yeah, rice yeah, 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 yeah. was on the floor. Vacuumed it all up, wiped out the wall, picked up all the trash, and then everybody went to bed. Yeah. So like Junkins gets home from work oh, at like twelve thirty at night. Yeah, he and you can late. hear him coming down the hallway, banging on everybody's door. Because it was his ass. <laughs> it was in the middle of the hallway. <laughs> what is this hole? And to everybody's credit, cheers to everybody no, no on one race one, nobody gave it up. Props. Props. Nobody gave it up. That's awesome. I, I have a similar memory. I do remember that, but and I think the reason he came off the right wall, most likely, I think that wall was brick or, yeah. or cement, so that's why. Because he was fine on that one. and went straight the fuck through. <laughs> Both legs. My memory is similar. When it, could, it must have been a different night because it's a memory of a of one of the overhead uh, lights shattering. We were doing some, some, some fucking around with the ball in the hallway. Always was something like that. And it shattered 
when it shattered, like, I don't know if I was right beneath it, but I was right in the middle of it. It shattered, went all around me. I'm sure I had particles on me. Fucking, the only guy with anything on his feet at the, in the moment, I had flip-flops or something on, excuse me, was a good friend of this day, uh, Chris Barton. And Chris goes, wait, I'll save you, Stu. And he, like, runs over and, like, fireman carries me over. <laughs> Super dramatic, but I was like, fuck, I'll wait. <laughs> I'm not trying to get my foot all sliced up. And I'm sure it was the same thing. Like, the vacuums came out and went away. Also, were you there when Ray, uh, when Ray Young got hit in the face with a racquetball? No. no. <laughs> Tell me more. So I Who think, did it? I don't remember. But I think this must have been second <laughs> semester because it was after I had transferred. So I was Division mm-hmm. One, mm-hmm. my first semester. Hard-ass, mm-hmm. 15-hour Saturdays, yeah. 13-hour Sundays. Yeah. Semester two, I yeah. switched to um, Andrew Ogle. You were a a a rep. It was uh, who's the guy with the glasses? It was yeah, definitely Andrew Ogle. I was yeah. with Matt Benowitz. Um, well, yeah, I can see I get them confused. They're they're similar dudes. Okay, yeah, so um, I switched to his bus route. So I was on Saturdays. I was done by like three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, and that's on a late day. Right, right. Yeah, I was gonna say that's kind of that's if we like were really going. Yeah, you're in the, you we were in like Hobart or something, right? Like you were. No, close. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I was back there with all the education majors. We were playing. Mm-hmm. Um, we were playing racquetball, dodgeball. Yeah. And uh, anyway, somebody, I mean, you were on the floor. I was on the floor. Okay. I was on race one. Somebody threw the ball. I was like being had the ball thrown at me. Right. And Excuse I. Me. Ducked, and I heard this just like thud. Oh, oh my god! And like I don't know, somebody probably said something. Anyway, I turned around. There's Ray Young, full suit. Yeah, always with his entourage. He sleeps in that, holding thing. his face. <laughs> How do I not remember this? <laughs> I'm sure I was getting expelled. I was oh yeah, convinced 100%. I was getting expelled. <laughs> no, oh, I didn't. I didn't. Nothing happened. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure something happened to the kid that threw the ball. I don't know, but there are weird things like that where it's it's not necessarily who it is that did the did the deed, but there are definitely times where like, you know, stuff you you were like that should I should be fucked right now, and you're not. In fact, I want to bring one up right now, um, and this one happened to me much later on. It's funny because I just talked to this guy um, a few weeks ago, uh, Mike Labugan, who's my division oh, leader. Oh, Yeah, he's my division leader, and uh, we didn't always see eye to eye. We definitely butted heads a few times, but I got. A, a terrific message from him a while ago, and I, I, I will keep it personal. It's personal between me and him, so I'm not going to get into it. But it was just, it was just reconnecting, and it was very kind and gracious. And I was, I wasn't, wouldn't say I was surprised, uh, but I was very, very happy to get that message from him. So then we started talking back and forth, and as we're talking back and forth, um, I say, you know, we're we're talking, and actually it was funny because John Warden was there with me, and John was on his route for a long time. Okay. And uh, so me and John were kind of sense. both yeah. talking to, to him. And he would have been division... Nine. 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 Uh, no, no, no. Ooh, I fucked up. <laughs> Don't hurt me, Mike. Uh, 14. 14. Oh, okay. We're division 14. 14 yeah. was nine and 14 were, too. Yeah, yeah, We were very... Nine and 14 were, think, like, across the tracks from each other. Some shit like that. We were very... Geographically, we were right next. In fact, if I remember right, 14 broke off of nine or vice versa. Um, so, but he, I remember, I think it was my senior year... <laughs> Uh, maybe my junior year, but I remember I was, usually it's, you know, you do your meetings and you go straight up to the route and that's it. But on this particular morning, for whatever reason, me and Mike and John, and I think that was it, went to breakfast together at, uh, Teebles at around the clock, yeah. which is right there, 3041, I'm pretty sure. And we went to breakfast and we're sitting there and, you know, eating, doing whatever we're doing. And Mike asks to see my phone. 
<laughs> like, like text messages between me and my girl, those aren't really. Uh, and he was a so it was. He a was not just a division leader. He was also um, over all of men's. Uh, uh, he worked for Casada. Yes, he was a dorm. He was over a whole not. He was over three floors of. Why can't I think? What's the other one? Not Rice. Not Colston. Malone. He was over Malone. all of Malone. Okay. And so I'm not firing on all cylinders tonight. I apologize. So he was over all of Malone. So he was not just my. He was over my dorm suit on my dorm floor, but he was also my division leader. So all points, um, pretty much, as much as you could get. You were on 14. Yes, this is in 14. I'm getting all wonky now. I don't think it was 9. I'm pretty sure it was 14. I think you're right. No, it's 14. You know, it's 14. Nine was I can remember, I can remember the Because 9 was Settlemeyer. It was my ex's ex. Oh, Chomo. Yeah, yeah. yeah Chomo. Fuck <laughs> you, uh, I don't know. No, it was Andrew Hamilton. Settlemeyer was bus captain. Yeah, yeah. He, I'm 100% that, sure. That doesn't surprise me, but it was Andrew Hamilton. And then went to I don't think Settlemeyer was a division leader. No, no. I don't. I mean, he may have been, but at some point. But when he was in nine, he wouldn't have been because it went from Hamilton, I'm pretty sure, to Manny Luna. Good man. Hamilton's good. good kids. Yeah, I like them. I just talked to John a little while ago. John's, John's he got my well. hair. Yeah, well, me too. John was my emergency haircut guy. When um, some people catch me in the hallway and tell me to go get a haircut, I'd be like, John, where are you? Is John in his room? I need to get John. And he usually was, thank God. Anyways, yeah, stop fuck that guy. So, uh, okay, what was I saying? I lost a trip. Oh, we're at breakfast. Again. We're at breakfast. Let's That's where Yes. Thank you. You're going to be doing that a lot tonight, today, tomorrow, whenever. Um, he asked for my phone, and I'm like, look, there's messages on there between me and my girl. That's going to give me trouble. I had some Green Day on there. Like, that's, that's I'm fucked. I had some Legacy 5 on there. I'm sort of fucked. Like, this is all bad. <laughs> I like that way Green Day, that Legacy, Legacy 5. 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's hierarchy there. Arguably so, worse in the eyes of the Oh, IRC. for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Ask Bob Hooker. They're both demon. They both worship the demons or the devil. So he took my phone, and I may have told this story in here before. I don't know if I did or not. Um, he took my phone, and he – when he took my phone, again, I just knew my world was over. Everything had ended. He looked through it, and I think he gave it a hmm or a hmm as he's looking through, and he handed it back to me. And this is one of those things where, like, that's it. I'm going home. Yeah, yeah, I'm out of here. And uh, then I had to ride in this car with him all the way up to the division, all the way up to <laughs> Chicago. So that was an hour, hour and a half. And I'm just the whole time, like, oh, I'm so fucking looking over at John. Like, fuck, is he dead? Fuck. And so, not we, you're fucked. And uh, nothing. All weekend, nothing. I'm like, okay, he's going to wait till Monday till like school gets back in. DC. Yeah, yeah. swinging. And then I'm nothing, never nothing. So me and him were talking a few days ago. <laughs> Fast forward, you know, uh, 12, 14 years. We're talking a few days ago, and I'm like, dude, I have to know. What the fuck, man? <laughs> like, yeah. I thought I was done. And he's like, he la- like, I sent him a, that in a voice memo. And then he sent one back, and he's like, ha, ah. <laughs> He's like, listen. He's like, I, I, when I would take people's phones from our division, I was looking to see what kind of games you had. <laughs> like, I, was to, I was trying to get the next cool game. I was like, you're joking. He's like, no. That's, I can guarantee you that's 100% why I took your phone, to see what cool games you had. <laughs> So that's why they get expelled. Explain so much, but there are many times I know for myself. Good for you, Luke. Yeah, yeah, good on you. But where something like that happens, and you're like, oh well, someone's fucked, or I'm fucked, or whoever is fucked, and then that's not the case, and it's because I don't know, it's some weird anomaly. I feel like the priority structure in that environment was so complicated, yeah, but like simple in a fucked up way. Oh, big time, yeah. Like, I think all of the things that they convinced us were important were actually not important to, at all to any of them. 
And the things that were important to them never crossed our radar because they were things that we were told we weren't allowed to care about or right. think about or right. do. Yeah, so, yeah. so there's that, I don't know if it's cognitive dissonance, that's probably not the right that's term. Great, like, that's a great, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. but just like, it's, it's a disconnect. Just, all, yeah, it's just a blind eye to like, well, they wouldn't be doing that, that stuff anyways. I know I had that mentality when someone would get kicked out, like someone I knew, say for instance from Michigan, I don't know, got kicked out for having sex on the grounds in their car. I was just like, what? Like, this is, I, I can't believe this. Like, Whatever. Right, exactly. And then you become a senior and you realize right. it happens like, all the time. All of us do this shit. <laughs> I was doing this shit. By the way, I never became a senior. <laughs> you still did the shit, Andrew. <laughs> Some of it. <laughs> this guy, little angel over here. Uh, but yeah, so let's go back to our, our, our room. I, I don't want to leave anything off. Race on 11 you're bringing some shit up. Full stop. The best period. I wish I had you know it ever. Agreed. Agreed. Malone 212. I was there for two years. Mike LeBugin made sure of that, and I'll never forgive him for that. I need to talk to him about that. Um, But you're supposed to, once you're on Malone for one year, then you get to go to Colston. And my credits didn't quite squeak me into Colston, but Ah. most guys, they win anyways. Not this guy. Um, Actually, no. I was on Malone for three years. Wow. I was in the same room for two years as a special fuck you, for sure. And then after that, they moved me down to Malone one. Uh, my senior year, dude, that was that was a fun year. Not not the best room. I still agree with you on that. But my senior year was me and... Um, you don't have to. Again, this was my only room <laughs> at house. No, no, I want to talk about this guy. Where's Rice 111? <laughs> no, we're coming back to Rice 111. I just want to say this quickly. Um, my, my senior year was me... And Cameron Corman, Gavin's little brother. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And Cameron was I don't great. know why I didn't know Gavin had a little yeah, brother. Yeah, you didn't? Literally, they're, just like They're fucking twins. Right they look exactly like... I show you him it's on terrifying. Facebook after this. He looks exactly... Same. Lanky-ass motherfuckers, blue eyes, all kinds of ripped and shit. Yeah, that's Cameron. And uh, they... It was me and Cameron and Todd. And it was Gavin at the beginning. And then they pulled him out to be a dorm group on Rice, which he eventually... Uh, wasn't anymore because he punched a guy in the face because they fucked with his girlfriend. Good, that's a fun story. Fiance, and um, the guy had it coming. Uh, so who was it? Sal Greco. He was the bus driver. The Sal Greco. you remember him? Oh, yes. Yeah, the little wobbly. <laughs> yeah, Gavin. Wonky eyed motherfucker. I I'll tell this story because Gavin has yet. I have yet to get Gavin on the podcast, which is my own fault. But still, he Sal Greco. It was really cold. Uh, the girls were all trying to get on the bus. They were stuck in the cattle chute. The, it was Sunday afternoon. The doors were locked. They were in the cattle chute. They're trying to get on the bus. And Sal was cattle like, chute. Yeah. Let's be clear. We called the litter, hallway. But it was, though. We called the hallway where women lined up to stay out of the bitter cold a cattle chute. Okay. And then we would move while we were in there. That's true. So, okay, I would. <laughs> but I was doing that in the lunch Ladies, line. It was, it was the lunch. It wasn't for ladies. It was the lunch. It was when we were all in line for lunch. That's when I would be in there mooing. You were mooing at me? I mean, if you want me to, I can moo at you. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink, motherfucker. So, god damn it, I'm going to lose my train of thought so many times. South Greco. South Greco. Liz goes to get, yeah, you know, you know, so Liz goes to get on the bus, and Sal's like, hey, it's not time yet. You can't get on. She's like, we are freezing out here. Let us on the bus. And he somehow, even though he can barely walk, he had like a cane and shit. He jumps up and grabs her by the arm and pushes her off the bus. Six inches, bro. Yeah, exactly. Leave some room for the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Word. So me and Gavin are getting ready to go to church in his car. And Liz calls him, you know, pretty upset. And he's like, just take, she had the keys. He's like, just take my car. And she was like, well, I'm, you know, everyone gets in trouble with her. And he's like, well, I'm going to get in trouble. He's like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, you just take my car and go to church and not ride on the next bus. So we got to church pretty quickly. 
Or did she take my car? I don't know, but we got there quickly. It was Mirga was driving, but we were in a hurry. <laughs> Excuse me. When we got there, we're flying around looking for South Arco's bus. We finally find it, and uh, Gavin walks up to the door and opens it and is like, hey, come down here, I need to talk to you. And he's like, no, I'm not going to. I'm not coming out like this. I'm not, like, it's my fortress kind of thing. Like, no, I'm not coming out here. Those like, bus drivers were yeah, a whole nother yeah, animal, 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 dude, 100%. He's like, come out of here. Come out here. I'm going to come down here. I'm going to talk to you. He's like, no, I'm not, I'm not leaving. So Gavin runs up on the bus, like, tussles with him a little bit in his seat, and then backs off, and then starts chewing him out. I don't remember everything, but like, how dare you touch my fiance? I was like, I don't touch you. And Gavin's like, Gavin just pissed. And finally he goes, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of you. Gavin's like, you're not afraid of me? Huh? What? I'm terrified. Yeah, me too. Um, for all the right reasons. Healthy fear. Um, yeah, yeah, healthy fear. So it keeps me alive. We, we love Gavin. Just like I'm terrified of yeah. bears <laughs> and wolves, sharks in the ocean. Gavin Corbin. Gavin Corbin. Yeah. It's all in the same category, really, if you look up the food chain. So Gavin <laughs> just punched him so hard, and it was a bad punch. It was a, it was a if I remember right, Gavin can correct me, it was a solid right hook, but the form was really bad, and Gavin actually ended up breaking his hand. It was just rage punch. And, but as, and then Gavin continued, like, yelling at him after he punched him in the face. But, like, as so I was, like, looking up at him, like, the goose, the, the fucking goose egg just started to see him in the fucking Yeah, yeah dude, he fucked him, him up. Yeah, exactly. Bone on bone. And so, that was a good time. I don't know where that all came from. But, my my senior room was supposed to be Gavin. He got taken home. That's why that's he why lost, he lost his, Yes, dome. yep, yep. Um, and Hooper was like, dude, I don't want to do this to you, but I have to. But he let him stay on Rice 1. And Gavin got 111 okay. because he was a dorm suit for Rice 1. He got yes. 111. Yeah. yeah, it was a pretty neat, pretty neat deal. Oh, that's full circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Happy. So, this is good whiskey, huh? It's going down. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a fun night. <laughs> yeah, it is. Shit. Um, thank you, Janine. So, that was, but my senior room was me and Cameron, supposed to be Gavin, and he got moved out, and Todd Vaffersan, and poor, poor... Sweet, sweet Justin Nosa, who was a freshman, got stuck in with two seniors who were engaged to be married and give, gave zero fucks. Their room was a disaster and it had nothing to do with him. Kid was clean. Kid would always freak out about white. And I'm like, fuck it. We don't give a shit. We just got back from work. I'm going to leave this pizza box on the ground where it is. Fuck you. White gloves. So bad. Like, it was one of my favorite moments in that room was we took a picture of it and it's terribly disheveled state. And Todd had a desktop computer by then, and we took that picture and put it on the desktop. And because shit moved so so little on the ground, you could walk in the room and it was a mirror image of what you were looking at on the desktop screensaver. It's like, fuck you, we don't give a shit. Okay, I have a question because, okay. I, because I only lasted a year. Yes. I remember the first like three weeks of freshman year yeah. it was like this boot camp. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember bullshit. I don't remember it being that long. I don't disagree. Maybe it was two weeks. I disagree with you. I just don't remember. I have a very clear memory of I had like a routine where we wake up at 4.30 in the goddamn morning. We'd walk out to the it fucking bleachers. We'd get yeah. yelled at about shoe yeah. polish. Yeah. Or... Well, it was Cass that thought it was his little Air Force regime again. That's but he had another guy, too. Some bald motherfucker. Doug Rock? No, Doug no. Rock. Doug wasn't bald bald, but he had hurt. Like, he he really wanted to not be bald, but he was. You know what I mean? Did we like Doug? Nah. Fuck Doug. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I haven't really can reconnected with him at all. He seemed like one of those guys that had the potential that... He showed up on my social media about a year did ago, he? and it lasted, like, a minute. Oh, really? Yeah. Is he even he's new He's IFB? friends with some of the Rhodes people, so... Is he even new IFB? Like the, like, the ones that pretend to be there? Because that's where Cassidy ended up being. So, 
for like, so I had this routine where like yes. we'd go to the bleachers, then we'd come in, we had like 10 fucking Really quick minutes. though, I, I don't know to, to say fuck Doug Ruck when he was with Hal Anderson, absolutely. Fuck Doug Ruck now, I can't say that. I just Maybe you're be, a beautiful human. I want to be fair. Because I, I just, asshole I don't know. A lot of us were assholes at college. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not trying to, I'm, well, no, no, you were. Yeah, yeah, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe uh, but all I'm saying is a lot of us have changed for sure, but I, don't, I, don't, I just don't have a, yeah. a bearing on Doug. I have no idea. He seemed like the kind of guy that when shit went south, hopefully he left and, and decided to do something different, but I don't know. All I remember it was him and Cassida and Sutton yeah. fucking... Tutton, Tutton, Tutton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wandering around somewhere, yeah, sniffing just, somebody's asshole. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Well, Ray Young's, because that was his father-in-law. That's Sutton's father-in-law. The three of them had us out on the bleachers for an hour or something <laughs> talking about... Stupid shit. Literally, like, how to polish your tie, shoes. Yeah. Tie your tie. Yeah. Dumb shit. Like stuff we already knew. If you didn't know it, what were you doing at Hiles Anderson? Why College? were you at Hiles Anderson College? Yeah, no, no point. So, and then I would walk into what was the bookstore? The bookstore. The bookstore. The book, no, the bookshelf. The bookshelf. The bookshelf. Yeah. I would buy a fucking blueberry muffin. Oh yeah, you would. And, you had a uh, this. No. One of those foamy fake ass coffees. Yeah. And then. A little bitch. And then we go to class, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you turn, bitch? <laughs> yes, you remember. I introduced Andrew to Rick and Morty last night, and I'm proud of that. Okay. Very, very proud of that. That um, right there. Where I'm going with this, oh, my question is: yes. Was that just an us thing, or did you no, do that, no, that every was, year? No, that was every year. I mean, they don't do it now because it's not there. But it stopped. It stopped a while after we were there. But no, they did that shit every year, dude. Because you know what else started after I left is the fucking Jericho project. That was a while shit. after you left. I think that was probably. 2007 some motherfuckers come for free yeah but it was fucked up like they had complete like you thought they had control over us Jericho like you couldn't do you couldn't fucking breathe dude their dating was mad restricted like their hours what they could do during how does dating get more restricted right now it gets more restricted because like freshmen I think the rule someone I, I would really appreciate someone chiming in here and letting us know um if I remember right as a freshman you don't date at all on Jericho there oh, is wow. no dating so that's how it what does that have to do with financial aid Nothing. It has to do with controlling your life. It has nothing to do with financial aid. Honestly, if it was, if I was in that position, well, I don't know. There's, there's two ways to look at it. One way is they start dating. Maybe they'll get with that person and not come back. I think you're familiar with that process. I don't <laughs> but my thought is they're gonna get. They're gonna get. That was a good. That was a good segue right there. I'm proud of myself. Um, but th- there's also my my positivity thinking would be like, oh, you're gonna get involved with someone and they're, you're both gonna want to stay the course for the rest of. the your time or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what I would think. That's why I would want to let them date. But just it's just how's Anderson, man. Everything's so fucked. And honestly, I'm sure to work the mailboxes, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I it's lost track of the number of times where I would string two or three dates together. <laughs> you were a chain dater, is that what you a single evening. <laughs> Baller. <laughs> because I just had to keep checking my mailbox. And and when I say dates, I'm going by the strict definition right. of Ohio's Anderson Day, which is ten minutes. Or more, yeah, yeah, in ongoing conversations with a member of the opposite gender, because you're not allowed to be gay, right? So, <laughs> so there's that. Let's make that decision. Oh, exactly. Everybody. So I had the I had the odd night where I would not have to go to America. Yeah. And what night was that? What the I don't fuck? remember. But Saturday it existed. Better, better be it. And so I would just make a circle from the mailboxes. To the ping pong table, <laughs> and then back to the mailboxes. Through, through the wait, hang on. So, mailboxes. The ping pong table was was in, down by the golf course. Yeah. So you went this. You went right or you went left? 
either way, there were two doors. Right, there right, was right. a door one at each end, and the one door was like dangerously close to the girls' door. Yeah, yeah, that that end. I remember. So actually, I would have gone this way because yeah. as I was coming out, I probably would have met the next in. day. Yeah. <laughs> I would have walked into a mailbox. Andrew's a serial dater. Sat down, had a nice conversation, yeah. little wink, little staring to the eyes. Don't do you that know, to me. Have don't, a good night. <laughs> I'm going to go play some ping pong on my next. I have to sleep here later in this studio uh, that we're recording in. Um, that's weird. Play a, ping, yeah. play a game of ping, ping pong. pong. It was still 45 minutes. I yeah. had three dates. Three dates. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. Okay, I'm all happy. <laughs> there you go. Oh, so I found out about each other. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a problem. Um, well, let's see. Our, our freshman room. So let me go back to that. So we, it was me and you and Gavin and Jorge, just four of us in a six-man room. For the entire first semester. Entire first semester. Magic. Guess what? Guess what? We did. Oh, I didn't finish my story about Junkins. So I remember what night it was. I feel like it was a uh, Saturday night. I feel like, excuse me. And um, I had come back from whatever I was doing. It was late, and because it was when Junkins got back in. Would he go and check every room when he got back in? Like a fucking hundred percent. What the With fuck was that? Yeah. Fuck you, Gestapo, motherfucker. I remember screaming. So, by the second semester, I gave no fucks. Yeah. I would scream at that dude like crazy. Leave the fuck alone. One of my favorite Junkins stories though is. So there was not just a rule, but as a safety hazard, because we, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. We, I had used an iron since I was a teenager because I had to. It's just yeah. how it worked out for me. But a lot of us hadn't. And so, like, there was a big concern about guys leaving their irons running. And it happened a lot. In the laundry room. Because you weren't allowed to have an right. iron board in your room. Right. But Junkins would go check to see if they were on. You want to know how we would check? On the... <laughs> Not shitting you at all. That is the goddamn truth. And we all found this out one day. For those of us that didn't know it yet, we found it out because he was walking around with a fucking bandage on his goddamn thumb. That was amazing. And we were just like, what? what oh, that's the best karma I've ever heard of. <laughs> Stupid man. Oh, that's Look fantastic. to see if it's plugged in, bro. Like, don't. <laughs> that's Anyways, amazing. That's yeah. Darwin shit. Yeah, it is. That is uh, natural selection taking care of itself. So, um,. But but my my quick junkin story was I and this now it's not going to even be that good now that we've built it up. He uh, it's terrible story about it. Like, <laughs> that's what you said. So uh, I had I laid down. I put in my headphones. I was listening to uh, Josh Groban, uh, which you know is a huge no no. Yeah, exactly. And um, he came in and I didn't even hear him. I'm just on my computer and he's right next to me. Like waiting for me to look at him. I was like, oh shit, that scared the shit out of me. Creepy yeah, ass dude. motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. And then he he yanked the headphones out and luckily I killed it right before he did, or maybe yeah, I didn't remember. But I didn't get but I didn't he saw what I was listening to. He saw it. But I didn't get busted for it, which is weird. He kept my headphones, I never saw them again. I'm gonna keep them the rest of the semester, but I never seen them again. I actually went I actually sucked up to him enough and got him to let me go through at the end of the year when I was going fucking home and I was like, Hey, can I please have my headphones back? Oh we can look through it too. They weren't there. Yeah, fuck that guy. So, and, and then second semester wasn't Junkins. Oh, then, then, when David he, Lutz? then when he moved out, and David Lutz was great because he was never there. Oh, yeah. he was a shit because <laughs> he was never there. Josh Goddard was the same thing on my 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 sophomore year. I think it was I had him for half a semester. David was dope. They're dope when they're not there, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best kind of dorm suit. You're the real one, Dave Lutz. Jerry Wyatt was a good one too. I'm thinking. Oh, I like that kid. It. He was funny as a dorm suit though because. It, Everyone, he was a nice. He's the nicest guy Mystery ever. Kid, right? Yeah, yeah. Dude, that kid super, was funny. Super as nice guy, but like, got mocked a lot because like everyone, like he was trying to be nice, and we were savages. Like, we were. You're savages. in a dorm suit, dude. We're here to take advantage of you. Do you not we get that? Savages. We will take your food and eat it. We don't care. <laughs> 
there. I won't get into all that right now because I do think Jerry has a great, great heart. Um, but yeah, so up until for the first semester, it was four guys. And just like when you have, when you start making less money or more money, you acclimate to the money that you have. We acclimated to the space that we had. We had fully filled yep. out that room. 100%. And then in the middle of the year, they're like, oh, here's what their, basically their version of a foreign exchange student was. So again, Kenny we, was amazing. You know, Kenny's, and yeah, we have no I love Kenny. We just feel that the dorm staff really didn't do their job. That's no. all. Well, I mean, not that they ever did, but in this, they did, they did him a disservice. Not then it wasn't, but it was towards the end. That's why we got Todd. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got Kenny, and we were like, we weren't unkind to him, but we were like, fuck, man, we don't know where to tell you to put your shit because we don't have any space no now. Space. We're all moved in. So we had, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like we could take our stuff and go home with it. It was the middle of the year. Like, we weren't going anywhere. Like, we're here. We're back from Christmas. Thanksgiving would have been Thanksgiving. a Thanksgiving. We're back from Thanksgiving. We're not going anywhere. Like, we're all kind of fucked. I'm trying to remember if I went home for Christmas. No, no. The next, no, first semester is the beginning of the year, I think. I don't think it is. I think with Hiles, I think it was the beginning of the year. for Christmas, huh? Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah you did. Because Red Bulls, you let off them. Remember? Yeah. Yep. So I was there for Thanksgiving. That's right. Hey, fucking Thanksgiving at the... Uh, did Saturday. I, too? We had like two days for Thanksgiving. You got Thursday and Friday and the weekend for Thanksgiving. I feel like I, I feel like me and Adam Barlock. I feel like Adam Barlock uh, took me home. He did. Yep. You went home. Are you Adam. sure that's yeah, what it was? I was in the room because that's when I was trying to talk to Mark's now Mark's wife, uh, Lacey. I don't know if I took her to the Super Bowl. Lacey. She's awesome. I can't remember her last name now. It's terrible. Levantine. Well, yeah, that now it is. <laughs> it's cool. Yes, of course it's her last name. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Uh, Lacey, Manus, Manus, Manus. Manus. Yeah, yeah, Lacey's great. Have some more whiskey. <laughs> and then, to top it all off, we had a month left, I think. A month? A month of school. That was it. We were done. And they had decided that because there was a demonic presence in Rice 250. Literally the reason they gave Yeah. They, they disbanded that room, and they closed it. Like, they made everyone move out of it and put them in different rooms. With a month left, they forced people into places where there was no room. And poor Todd Vaprazan got forced into our room. And uh, I've known Todd since I was. Yeah, so you know I moved to, I we moved to Detroit when I was eight, seven or eight. Second grade, so about eight, right? Second anyway. grade, seven. Seven. Chloe's in, in, in We were there for two years. Six. And I was great friends with Todd. Still, I mean, I'd I still consider Todd, Todd very yeah. much friend. Oh, yeah. Um, Pam babysat us. Like, yeah, I love yeah, no. Great family. Like, very much a friend. When that motherfucker brought his shit into our room. <laughs> I, but I hated Chloe John Todd more. Yeah, it was John's fault. Todd, it wasn't Todd's fault. He was getting I took out, do you remember, like, do you remember me marching up to Totten's office? I had notes. I had oh, a whole yeah. case put together. But that, this was after I had worn the track jacket to class. Oh, yeah. So well, you were done. I had to look. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Fuck it. So you went, what, how did that go? Did you get stuck with a secretary? Did you even get to talk to him? What oh, happened? no, he saw me. And? Did he have a secretary? I mean, at some point he did. I don't know if he did that. I don't think he did that. Well, this was a secretary at one point. But he, uh, yeah, he saw me and then kicked my ass out. Really? Yeah, tell me to suck <laughs> it up. Do it for Jesus. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Uh, so anyways, that would, excuse me. I love you, Todd. Yes. No, we love Todd, unequivocally. But that was the story of our freshman, freshman year when we didn't, we were not prepared for that shit at all. <laughs> Uh, but that, the, that was our room. That was all six of us by the end. And, uh... I was the last one to leave, too. You guys, really? all, you guys all left before I got out? Huh. I don't remember why. I think I worked an extra shift or something, but... Probably. 
Um, I was the last one, and I left my car sitting right in front of Founders Park, Park. whatever that main entrance, yeah, right for like four hours oh, while I loaded that bitch. No. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Site, the, Did they come around and say anything? I mean, security was bucks. following me through the building. <laughs> Seriously? Screaming at me to move my car. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I think I had headphones out. <laughs> Zero because it was I done. It. We were done. I was like, yeah, you touch me, bro. That and that was a funny. That was a really weird phase every year, and even especially graduating, where you're done. But these people are like, no, no, I'm still gonna fuck with you. In fact, I the night of graduation, not to rub in my fake degree or anything, the night of graduation, I wore because we had a we had the Ernie Hawkins signature sound fad tie fad where you just had the giant, giant knot yeah. and people didn't like that once they caught on the one before they were like haha you guys are clowns and like oh it's for a Southern Gospel group how dare you um so the night of we of course we all had our black gowns on and my I, my tie was actually given to me by Ryan Seaton of Ernie Hawkins signature wow. sound so for me it was a very proud moment to wear this tie to graduate and I puffed it the fuck up it was enormous but you couldn't hardly t- you had to look to tell because it was the same color as my fucking gown. And uh, 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 Hector Garcia, who I've gone back and forth with many times, didn't ever like me, but he saw it. And he was just like, oh, like, how dare you? And I was just like, I'm also not wearing any underwear, bro. So if you know, <laughs> there's a few of us that didn't. Your boy Steven Trine didn't either. Um, so now that's outed. Uh, I don't think I've ever said that out here. But it's, but I mean, it's just like, dude, who? I'm graduating. I did all the things, man. I did everything. I did a lot of it how you told me I had to do it. And you're still going to pick at me on the night of my... You know, final... I am done. Yeah, fuck you. So anyways, there's that. Um, so I'm not bitter or anything. Um, and then Hector called me a year later and was like, Hey, uh, Mr. Hardy, how are you? Good? Like, what the fuck? Mr. Hardy. Hardy. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I don't, no, no, no. But he thought I was coming. He, he, he had his call list wrong. He thought I was coming back to school. Uh, you just noticed you hadn't registered for any classes for fall. Fuck you, man. I'm done. Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because I'm not coming you back. Fucked with him, bro. I should have. I should have been like, oh, did I get Christian Manhood yet? Let me get that. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Let me take two semesters of church ed again, and maybe fail out again. So, college was interesting. I did. I do want to. I, I want to talk about that as much as we can, but I don't want to overdo it. But you left and you didn't come back. Did not come back. I mean, a lot of our freshmen didn't come back. So, do we want to move on from college? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. And we'll, it's gonna stuff's gonna back. it's gonna filter back. Yeah, unless, so I did not unless come there's back. something else you want to say about no, it. No, I, I just have stories that I yeah. need to tell you about myself. Yeah, no, tell the me. The yellow sweater I wore for two weeks straight. Tell me about that. Do you remember that? I remember it. Because right, it was your day. I have a number one. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, it was your day. Okay, so I have a picture of you in it, and there's a picture of you in it in the yearbook that you signed over your face. So I got yelled at in. Okay, is that Old the Testament look? Survey. Is that the look one or is that the different no. one? Okay, just because it was like yellow? Yeah. For it. Thanks, Tim. Or was it quote so? I wasn't a teacher. It was oh, just like oh. somebody. I think one of my favorite things in that auditorium, and I think it was Old Testament Survey, was Keith Kilby and Matt Guzzi, because Matt did it to me oh, too. Matt. I would sit, RIP Matt. Um, love you, Matt. So Matt would sit GU. And H.A., so Matt and me were always together in classes. And uh, let me top you off there, brother. And um, I'm going to refill this. I'm going to So Matt was always near me, and he would, and, and when in Phil Penn's class, he would sit across from me. And I remember one day he brought a goddamn squirt gun to the class and just, and like, so I look like I fucking pissed myself. <laughs> did it right at the end of class, and I'm walking out with my book bag. That's great. And uh, Keith killed, but he did. Keith, he would, he was sitting. But K, so he was sitting several rows 
ahead of Keith, like three rows up from Keith Kilby. And Matt Lino will be late for, I think, actually, I think it was Fundamental Man, but that's an auditorium. It's an auditorium class yeah, with Daryl White. I got that. No, you didn't. He was sitting like three rows ahead of him, and every so often he would look to see if Daryl wasn't looking and shoot Keith. And uh, I, I respected Keith for this because Keith was able to rise above the whole, like, oh, no, you're going to get in trouble. He was just like, no, fuck this guy. I'm putting an end to this. Keith's, Matt did that two or three times. He was like, I'm over it. Keith stood up, walked across, not the, the top of the pews, like the backs, grabbed it from Guzzy, turned around, was almost back, like was back, and then just was sitting down when Daryl's caught him. Like, what are you doing? And instead of, I'm sorry, or I'll see myself out, or whatever, Keith was outraged. I've been scored it three times now. And I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think White House had anything to say to him after that because he was just so fucking pissed that he got scored. <laughs> been squirted three, three times, times now. now. I'm sure I didn't get your accent just right, Keith, but so I tried. Like some of the movie. I loved it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's not a movie. That's uh, that's a dot com um, or dot xxx. So. The the sweater, dear. What is that? I don't, I don't know, but I got yelled at for it. And you were like, I dare you to wear it. For as long as you can, Seriously? or something like that. Wear it for the rest of the year, or something like that. that. I was like, okay, fuck it. I'll do it. Because my dumbass was yeah. the most awkward. Let's be clear. Yeah. Let's be clear. Ladies, I went on first dates with very many of you. I missed your glasses from that era. I went on second dates with almost none of you. Because <laughs> I was the most awkward piece of shit. I love it. That anybody at that school Truth had ever met. And so it was just like a thing to do. I think yeah. there was probably somebody standing nearby that I was trying to impress. Mm-hmm. I thought I would. For sure. I wore that shit for two weeks. <laughs> so great. It smelled like shit. And that's probably... Oh, without washing oh, it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, bro. So you wore it, wore it, is what you're telling me. That's why I ended up with a picture of you, because you were wearing it all the time. I think I even wore it under a jacket. <laughs> In Chicago, it probably would have just worked out. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, that's fucking amazing. The picture that we have is from Missions Conference. It's in the yearbook, and it's me Not about missions conference. and yeah, you and Tim Q and I think Gavin. Uh, maybe one or two, maybe Nelson popped in there too. Yeah. But um <laughs> I forgot about that dude. I don't remember telling you. We were so weird. It's great, man. It was fucking great. Oh god. Um so yeah, so I left. So Precious I didn't come memories. back. Crash of memories. I wanted, I wanted you to do that. <laughs> Brother Lester Roloff. Brother Lester Roloff. Some gone, brother. Some gone, brother. Oh, my God. Some dude. know him as dad. Wow. Here's my case. Because <laughs> we mocked the dead. This is great. Is <laughs> I don't know, probably. Why not? I don't fucking know, dude. I tried to Google him today when you sent me that, and a bunch of, some. there's some singer, actual singer. Is Jack singer. Patterson dead? I don't know, guys. Someone out there knows. Tell us if Jack Patterson is dead, because I honestly don't know. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you left. You didn't come back because you are a I was dating. I was dating a senior. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay. It's wise not to. I was dating a senior. She graduated uh, that year. Mm -hmm. I was at graduation because I was behind the camera. I worked with her, Brian Berkowitz, in Yearbook. Berkey Burks. And uh, made a bunch of great friends in Yearbook, by the way. Kayla Goddard, Josh Goddard, Tina Fink, Caleb. Caleb. Um, well, was Lacey Manus, that's how I knew Lacey yeah, yeah, yeah. Manus was yearbook. Glad I could remind you of her last um, name, her actual last yeah. name. So. <laughs> He's flushed. Um, <laughs> it's a great career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a good game. Uh, was, uh, was he, um, Lockhart? Was there a Lockhart in there? Lori Lockhart. Yeah. Lori. We're friends on Facebook. Yeah. Was she in there? Or I thought. Uh, I think she might have been friends. No, she no. was down the hall. No, no. 
I'm thinking there was one other girl. Um, Tiffany, Tiffany, Tiffany. Tiffany. Oh, she wasn't? Okay, no. all right, never mind. All right, uh, so you left. You were dating a senior, right. and you came. Sorry, but never mind. <laughs> you got stories about a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> well, tell as many as you want. I don't care. Um, um, so, yeah, so I was at graduation for yearbook. Yeah. Oh, we should talk about yearbook and pastor school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. Do, it, do it now. Fuck it. So I was on yearbook for pastor school. And so just really quick, not just because not yeah. every single person is going to know. So the yearbook staff, it was, there were a couple people and it was just, you know, that it was just that taking pictures and putting together captions and shit to put in the yearbook for the end of the year. And there were just a couple, maybe three people that were actually paid staff, like over people. The rest of it were college it students. And Caleb and yeah. So two Caleb. I don't remember his last name. Okay. Not Beal. No. But Caleb was on yearbook Caleb staff. Caleb Mule was on yearbook staff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was there. So only two people that oversaw that were like paid staff. The rest of you guys were unpaid interns who knew how to run a camera, basically. And so we much. got scholarship. Right, 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 right. But still. And I, to be fair, I didn't know how to run a camera before okay. I got there. I actually credit, so I'm an amateur photographer now. Nice. I credit the time that I spent here at Hiles for um, yeah. teaching me how to run one. Oh. Which was great. Hell yeah. So, but anyways, that's yearbook. Their job is to be at all the events and make sure they get pictures of everything. Pastor school came up, and uh-huh. everybody the sign up sheets were going around for duties. Right, and somehow I finagled my way onto yearbook staff nice. for pastor that. school, which was a sweet gig. Yeah, well, because the rest of us were doing grunt work. We were painting and cleaning oh, buildings yeah, no. and cooking food. It was terrible. I spent the entire terrible. time driving around on buses taking pictures of everybody. So I got a phone call from Berkowitz one mm-hmm. day. It was like Wednesday or Thursday pastor school. Somebody who was supposed to be on Scop's picture duty was out sick. I feel like it might have been Caleb. Yeah. Anyway, Berkowitz said, "Hey, can you do this? I need you to do Pastor Scop." I think I feel I vaguely feel like I feel like I vaguely remember that because that's such a big deal. It was the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. That's everything. So I caught the bus. I had like my press credentials, whatever. <laughs> I got ushered in literally to the inner sanctum. I was at the new office in the new, new building. building. For yeah. pastor school, got ushered in. We had the new building then already. Yeah, wow, it was that's what we got fun. ready for. Remember yeah. going over there to break in the hymnals, yeah. and we spent we took like three remember, days off our remember classes. The, remember the baptism? Um, the, they were they christened the baptistry with someone that was born a day, like if you were born a day before or after. Um, if you were born on Jack Scott's birthday, you got to be the person. And there was a, so I'm October second, he's October first, and they were actually going to push it to no one was coming forward for October first. And then they were going to be like, well, anyone on October 2nd, oh my God, it's me. Culty ass shit. <laughs> I was so excited. Bruh. And then someone else ran up and it was October 1st. He was probably lying. Uh, so, <laughs> fuck that guy. Whoever he was. Anyways. So I got so ushered into the intersection. Yeah. So you're in, you're in his office. I got into Scott's in office. And at that point, Damn. he was having like this meet and greet with, I mean, it was the who's who. Yeah. Gray was in there. Mm-hmm. Burr was in there. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, everybody. Yeah. Haynes, mm-hmm. Goddard, everybody yeah. was in there. That was anybody. Mm-hmm. And so I go in to just start taking pictures. And I have this really distinct memory because Scott started to speak. And everybody kind of formed like this semicircle. So have you seen the... Um, Probably not. I haven't seen most things. It's the uh, Left Behind movie with um, oh, yeah. Kirk Cameron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The okay. first one. And and he goes into Nikolai Carpathia and like the oh, whole room gets darker yeah. and everybody's yeah, like yeah. phased the fuck yeah, oh out. Oh god, that was weird. Yeah, I have this really distinct memory when Scott started to talk to all these guys, and I don't remember what he talked right. about because I remember being so focused on the fact that the entire fucking room just felt off. 
to the point where like I stopped taking pictures. Like I got in trouble for it later because I was in the office for maybe an hour and a half. And I only got maybe 15 or 20 shots. And, but I just remember being like in a corner, just being like something is wrong. Something's weird. Something's off. Something's wrong. And, um, so then fast forward 10 years and somebody, you might've called somebody called me about the indictment. Yeah. Um, about Jack Scott being a pedophile. Yeah, because I was yeah. so out of it. No, I wasn't. Well, I was I was out of the Heil stuff. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, in you a different were. church setting at that right. point. But I was out of the Heil stuff at that point. Right. And, uh, but about Scott being indicted for being a pedophile. Right. And I just immediately mentally snapped back, right to, back that to that thing in the office. That's wild. Where, you know, it just, it was just it was weird, dude. That's weird. True. I don't have, like, an explanation for no, it no. other than, just you know, being fun. that close to... That group of men, and like, and now it's like the who's who of because yeah. surely, um, I mean, Goddard was definitely there, yeah, Trevor might have been a pastor Chapel school, was Chapel there. was definitely there, yeah. Um, who's Michigan, um, Jenkins, Jenkins was 100% there, Jeff Fugate was probably there, Fugate was definitely there, Capace might have been there, I don't know, he didn't always show up. Capace kind of came when he was going to speak, yeah, if Capace didn't have to speak, you weren't going to pay him to speak and give him a new student, he wasn't going to show up. Capace was on staff when he was there. He's a bald no. motherfucker? Screamed at everybody? He is, yeah. But Capace is... Bruh. No. class. Really? I'm 100%. I mean... No. He, he might have come through for church yet, because guess... No, it's not Capace. No, it's I don't not Capace. Capace. Capace has his own church. Who's the bald guy? He's an evangelist now. That's a lot of people you're talking about. <laughs> I can see his face, and I can't remember his name. Huh. Anyway. Um, but yeah, that's a really distinct... That's wild, yeah. So, back to um, not coming back. I was dating a girl, mm-hmm. decided to go home. So my second semester was really in flux for me. Um, my first semester, I went in as a mission student. Yeah. It was Division One. I. I was full bore. Mm-hmm. And I came out of a Rhodes church. I mean, out of the Rhodes yeah, church. Yeah. So, you know, I was like from the second sun into Hiles. Right. And, um, and Rhodes Church, explain it to me the name of the church, the name of the pastor. First Baptist South Bavard, Mark Rhodes. Okay. Studied directly under Jack Hiles. M-A-R-C, not K. M-A-R-C, Charles Mark Rhodes, C-M. Um, studied directly under Jack Hiles, was his protege. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so hardcore, parkour. Was super tied in with Neil, especially after yeah. um, Hiles died. Yeah. So... It was, a, it was, and I was the only person in my high school graduating class to go to Isles. So it was a big deal. Yeah, it, was it was a big, big deal. deal at home. It was a big deal there. So was I, but there was only two people in our graduating class. <laughs> That's not saying there were seven of us. Well, but this is no. coming from a high school that had sent three or four people at least per right. graduating class right. for the last ten years. Right, and all of a sudden it's just you. All of a sudden it's just me. Um, so so you're dating a senior. Semester so she, one was she had. Oh yeah, go ahead. Semester go ahead. one was full bore hard ass. Right. Right. I'm in. Division one was a whole thing. Yeah, oh yeah. Speaking of bus conference, we weren't, but I'm going to. No, speak to. of it. Do you remember, I'm sure you were there. We oh, had, yes. so it would have been, it would have been winter bus conference. Okay. And we had a competition. Each of the divisions had to do like a song skit. I do vaguely remember it, but not well enough to And so the judges were Belinda. Oh God, yeah, she's a great judge. The motherfucker with the ears. Ears. Oh yeah, we talked about that. Did we figure out who that was? guy. Oh, Ted Spear. Ted Spear. He's an elf, dude. That's and uh, I think it was Rick. Rick Sparks? Rick Sparks. Ooh, because I remember it was, I was pissed off because I was like, he's a division leader. He's a division leader. He ended up becoming my division leader. Yeah. What division was he? Not one. 
Because Francis no. is one. Well, that's what I moved to. Three? Adam Ogle was under yeah, Spear, or, uh, Sparks. Um, I don't know. Eight? Maybe. I don't know. Division 8 was like the original hardcore division, and then that, the title moved around to different areas. It wasn't. I love Rick Sparks. No, Rick's great. Rick's straight up. So Rick knows about this podcast. People hey, hey, Rick. <laughs> You're a good man. If he sees this, I don't know. Um, so one of our guys, one of our bus captains, yeah. had the bright idea yeah, to competition. do a parody of a Green Day song. Oh, God. That's really bad. And I don't even remember what the words are about. Yeah. But... So I had just started dating. It had to be Boulevard. She, she will not be named. Yeah, yeah. Um, and whatever we were, whatever. So, yeah. But then, so I was doing this thing, and she was on Division Two, mm-hmm. which maybe that's where Selmeyer was, because I remember it pissed okay. me off because she used to date Selmeyer. Oh, really? And it pissed me off that she was still in still his division, division or on yeah, his route or something. Kind of bullshit. Weird. So I like that we're both still kind of upset about that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> So far in the past, and means nothing, but okay. <laughs> so, my only role in this was to dance. Yeah. And, which I knew nothing about. You hammed it up, though, I'm sure. Well, I just used all of my MTV moves <laughs> right in front of Ted Spears. Oh, so I was juking and jiving and yeah. thrusting and twerking <laughs> and anything I can think of. Oh, that's terrific. So, the next day, whatever, because I think I went with her to the bus rally. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you would have. She refused, refused to talk to me for like two days. So I finally got to talk to her. I was like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. She's like, how dare you <laughs> yeah. disgrace the platform Kyle's in Anderson Chapel. Oh, God. Oh, that was in Chapel? That wasn't in the, no, the, was in the gym? Chapel. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you fucked up. That was That's the thing. Great. I remember kneeling. <laughs> Guys, we were so fucked up. Yeah. I remember kneeling in the crashed airplane in the garden yeah. Thing and praying for God's forgiveness. <laughs> so I could get my girlfriend back. <laughs> Isn't that Lester Roloff's plane? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker died in there. A lot of people have got hand jobs in there. Yeah. Um, oh, not there. Peace no. conference. Chair storage. <laughs> I'm not saying that was the only place. I'm just saying that is that was honestly Roloff Park was known. As I'm like sorry, I know. <laughs> I preached a sermon about her on night bus. <laughs> that always helps to kind of, you know, cleanse the palate. 100%. Pre- and the only reason I did is because I knew she was friends with some of the lady workers, so we get back, back to her. her. Preached a sermon about her on night bus, and then, uh, I don't know, we got back together. And we dated the rest of the second. This doesn't sound toxic at all. It sounds like a great relationship. <laughs> it was great. I had my I had my hopes. So yeah, so for sure. I was ready to be serious. So first that. semester was full board, and the second semester you just you were over it. I said I wasn't over it, but okay. I was feeling like a change coming. So at that point, yeah. I was having serious thoughts about switching to education, which mm-hmm. was like a problem. Yeah, it's a big switch. So like I talked to my parents about it over Christmas break. Two weeks after Christmas break, Bob Hooker calls me into his office and says that somebody, some unnamed person, your parents. Called him because they saw me walking into a strip club. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, of yeah. which he had the name and address of yeah. one in Melbourne, Florida, right where you lived, where you went over home Christmas, for Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. And I was freaking the hell out. Yeah. I was like, I've never been to a strip club in my life. And um, I, mean, I have since, right? Props. Um, but at that point, I had you're right. And I'm like sobbing in his office. Right. I'm like, what in the world happened? And so then he just gets real serious and he's like, "Son, the Satan's trying to test you right now. You decided if you're serious about the Lord. So serious." <laughs> Definitely serious. I'm serious as fuck about Jesus. So, so then, like, I was terrified of because then it called everything into question. 
you know, the whole changing of majors. Right, and right. Like, looking back, I see a lot of manipulation happening. Big time, dude. Connect the dots. Yeah. But um, you can't see it then. No way. By the time I got to the end of second semester, though, I was really fucking confused. Yeah. You know, and I was like, there was a big problem. I was like, I don't think the mission field is for me. I'm not even Where sure. Where are we planning on going? going? Russia. Fucking crazy, dude. Which is now where my brother is going to the mission field. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a whole different podcast. Shit happens. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, and um, I, so I was, I, I was very turned off on the mission field, and I was really unsure even about the pastorate, and thought that I would do well with education. Yeah. You know, I like talking to people. I'm, yeah. I'm good at speaking to people, but I also have a heart for kids. And, right. Um, so, so anyway, so that's what I left house thinking about. So then my girlfriend had graduated college. So then, like, we spent the summer talking about, like, well, what's that going to She was a like? senior, so she doesn't have any incentive to go back. She's from New York. Right. And, you know, she's got a whole thing up there. She's got teaching jobs offered to her. Mm-hmm. So then I'm thinking, like, well, what's that going to look like? Right. You know, I don't want to go back without her. Right. And honestly, I didn't want to go back. It's At just all. the conversation you have with yourself yeah. and the justification. So then I decided, well, I'm not, I'm not going to go back. I need to take a year and figure out what I want to do. She immediately decided she was going to move to Florida, um, and theoretically get a job at the uh, Christian school at Brevard there, yeah. and, which never happened. Mm. Um, but so then, so she moved down. Yeah, relationship was super toxic. It was really ugly. Broke up like six months later, maybe. Because all your dance moves, that's a real problem there. Definitely. That was the goal. Hundred <laughs> percent. She couldn't handle. Yeah, I can't either. Yeah. Actually, be mean to talk to you. About I mean, nobody's that. better. <laughs> To this day. Ring <laughs> By the way, somebody's. No. <laughs> that is not what this forum is for, this fucking guy. Right, but I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's staying in. That's great. Um, so, uh, cheers. Cheers to us. And this, uh, Thank here. you. Yeah. Jay? Thank you, Jay. You're the best. So, I do remember, I don't really remember talking to you too much. But I did pride myself, and this is just a pat on the back most likely, but I did pride myself on talking to people that were either kicked out or never came back if I was close to them and knew them enough. You and I stayed um, close I consistently. Yeah, I thought Very so. consistently. And so I spent the next year, did a year at community college, okay. fucked around with a couple of jobs, Yeah, and then um, and then got convicted by the Holy yes. Spirit Guilt. about um, going back to Bible college. Right. So you decided to go back to Bible college? Yep. I went to a seminary in Tampa. Okay. And really, it was, uh, I will credit Florida Baptist College, was yeah. really a true It was a good educational experience. experience. Yeah. yeah, I took Greek, I took Hebrew, nice, you know, nice. like, okay. I, I, and, and really the theology that I think I walk around with now is a credit to, to the, that education. Someone. Cool. Um, you know, so I, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Um, so I did about a year and a half there, and while I was there, I met a gal, mm-hmm. um, but I also lived on my own for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. It was a missionary from the church who went on deputation, need somebody to watch the house. It's your place now. Down. Yeah. It was downtown Tampa. Nice. Finally had some access, finally yeah. had some freedom. Started going out, started exploring the world a little bit. Yeah. And um, spent about, so I was working, I was going to college. Yep. I was working on staff for the college. Oh, recruitment. Wow. I was teaching at the Christian school. I was coaching the junior varsity basketball team. We were going team. out in Tampa every night. Five nights a week. Yeah, this guy. So you weren't sleeping. That was time. an exhausting <laughs> yeah, like, six like a, months. Yeah, it sounds tough. <laughs> Finally came to a head, and yeah. um, I called my parents. I was like, I'm coming home. Yeah. I called my girlfriend, who four months later became my wife. Okay. 
It's crazy how that works. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that was when I that was when I left the seminary experience. Yeah, I did, that was that was it. I was done with Bible college. I was mm-hmm. done with all of that, and um, and that really was a big kind of chapter change for me in my faith journey and really my personal journey. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a big event for any of us who have grown up because you grew up in church. Yeah. For anyone who's grown up in church, who has you know gone through multiple years of Bible college and is now kind of like, you know, however you would say it, not necessarily a transition at that point, but just kind of a shock to your system of like, okay, maybe were you kind of in a place of like maybe this isn't for me? Is that where you were, or you were just burn out, or what was that that happened? Yeah, I think that I was. I think that. The transition from Hiles to the next school, just like that whole arc, was starting to call a lot of things that I had taken for granted into question. Into question. Yeah. I was older, yep. you know, I was in my early 20s, I was starting to think about things independently, mm-hmm. I was starting to consume media independently. I have to say this really quick because I just thought of it and I won't forget about it. I lost that computer, I don't know what happened to it, I think I broke it one day on accident. No, my, my brother broke it actually, I think. Um, but... We had a picture. It was one morning. Remember, we would get up mad early on Sunday to get out there to Chicago. Mm-hmm. We get crazy early, and um, it was one Sunday morning. And me and you and Gavin, because we hung a lot, even though we were roommates. Um, well, we hung often, I should say, maybe not a lot, but people they recognized the three of us together as a, as a trio, and not for singing, obviously. Mm-hmm. You can sing. I can sing a little, and oh, Gavin can't, can't sing. sing. But you can or you can't. I, I mean, I can now, but yeah. But then do you want to talk about some... my tour tryout? Oh, we do want to talk about that. We'll get to that. But Gavin, I love Gavin, but Gavin can't, can't sing. Uh, like you can give him notes and put him in the bucket, and be like, "Oh, cool," and just dump him right out. Like there's no. So, but people would kind of people looked at us as brothers, the three of us. Yeah, and I remember one because Gavin didn't have glasses though, but me and you did, and that was a big part of it because I had my glasses were oval and your glasses were oval, and right. Carrie Beal had oval glasses also. So one morning, or maybe it was not, at any rate, I remember someone taking a picture of the three of us and Gavin grabbing Carrie's glasses and putting them on. Carrie, uh, oh, yes. I would give anything. It was in front picture. of a Christmas tree. Was it? 100% it was in front of well, a Christmas tree. Well, there's a picture of me, of us, and then Hannah and Tim in front of a Christmas tree and Gavin. It's a different one. Okay, I don't remember it being in front of a Christmas tree. Because it was in the founder's room. Up in the front, yeah. Up in the front. I thought it was in the dining hall. We're all waiting so, for the bus captains. Okay. Anyways, wherever it was, I do definitely remember that picture being taken, and I would pay a hundred dollars for that picture right now if thousand. I get my hands on it. Yes, a thousand, a thousand percent. No, All right, so you got eleven hundred dollars. Whoever you are, <laughs> don't have but I don't know. That was just a fun memory that I had of uh, of the three of us, and and that when that picture was developed, I was like, oh shit, yeah. Like, <laughs> we had a little gang. It yeah. was uh, so it was, it was the three of us. Mm-hmm. It was Tim Koo. Yeah, 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 for sure. It was Tim. It was uh, it was Hannah. It was April. It was um, yeah. I'm trying. There was at least one other girl. Really? With us. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe it was just those two poor girls. Bannister <laughs> used to hang around. Yeah. Second semester. I know Robbie Nelson was too. We're not we're not going to tell the Bannister story right now. We don't have time. It takes too long. I love the love the two of you have for each other now. <laughs> we do have crazy. love for each no, other. I know. I love it. I, that's we sarcasm. do have love for each other. It's now. true. Another um, girl. Um, I feel like there was another girl, Stu. You're from California too. Was it, it wasn't Melody? You know, because that's Melody out. Um, that didn't go well. Uh, it didn't usually. Um, <laughs> that just there. You were so opposite. 
Must be nice, bitch. No, see, no, we weren't. <laughs> no, we I weren't. dating. Well, I was the opposite. <laughs> actually, I was the best dating ever. Anyways. Um, because you would actually date these girls. Oh, like I would try to date, date them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would just yeah. go on one right. and either scare them off or forget about them. <laughs> or take two of them on right. the same day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That too. That's a good story. That is. But I don't want to deny you that story, but I do want to hear your tour tryout story. Oh, I just remember walking up there and fucking Tim, Tom Collins, Tim, Phil Anthony Collins. Collins. Anthony Phil Collins. <laughs> I wish it was Phil Collins. <laughs> Big ass head motherfucker. It'd Phil be smaller if he laughed me with. out of the audition. Did he really? What a prick. And uh, who was the guy? Not that he um, can sing, but that's a dick move. He, he was a piano, great, phenomenal piano player. He was he a tour like guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's Matt Wilde. <laughs> That's a dick move, guys. If anyone can see the bias of across. It wasn't Keister, obviously. It, was, uh, it wasn't Robert Lopez? It was Robert okay, Lopez. Love, he was on line. And I could Robert see Lopez. in his face how sympathetic he was. That was not good. Yeah, no, Robert's But it was also, sympathetic. like, they build it up so much. They you know, really do, so yeah. much anxiety yeah. going into it. And I knew, like, I was not a good singer in high school. But I felt like I had enough chops to, I could follow a part. I yeah, could yeah, follow, yeah. You know, and um, and I was trying to get that fucking college bill yeah, paid, man. Yeah, dude, like, yeah, that's half your bill right there. Hell yeah. And um, Collins literally laughed me out of it. He's a dick, dude. No one like Anthony Collins doesn't like Anthony Collins. Like we went on tour with Scott Gray. Scott was great, but um, Scott, uh, we would just make fun of Anthony Collins the whole time because he was a fucking an asshole. Terrible. And his big his big thing was the same as uh, Pete Callings, which we all know about Pete Callings. But this was, like, to save as much money as they could. And we didn't give a fuck. Like, we are doing this stuff to help the college get more students. And because we had Matt Benowitz, we got hella signups. Yeah. So, like, it's whatever. Like, we were doing fine. And we didn't give a fuck. In fact, we had one one week where Scott had to take off for a conference. And we had Ken Scott as our tour pastor. Zero fucks, dude. We did all the shit. Like, every amusement park, the nicest hotel. Like, we went to nice-ass restaurants. And we were like... Uh, Ken, what's your budget? Just buy whatever, you get, get whatever you want, guys. <laughs> I'm Jack's son. Fuck it. <laughs> it was great. We had a great time with Kick. It was a terrific tour pastor for a week. I don't know, if, you know, the whole summer we probably wouldn't have liked him, but he was great for a week. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck. Um, good time. Anyways, okay, so that's that's whatever. You, I want to, I want to talk. I want you to kind of, if we can come back to that moment, or at least that time period when you're kind of seeing things differently. Um, you're kind of burnt out. Mm-hmm. You're kind of, you know, you've, did you, were you finished with school or were you just like, no, I'm taking a break or I'm done or what was that? What dropped, was that? With Hiles? No, was, not Hiles. No. Well, I dropped that, I dropped that out of Florida Baptist okay. because I was partying all the time. Gotcha. Somebody was going to find out. I was gotcha, gotcha. Out, so I'm like, I'm just going to. Might as well just do it myself. And, um, and honestly, I, the, 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 I hadn't made the turn on faith really then. I mean, I was frustrated with the conversation around standards and mm-hmm. legalism and yeah because it, you know like it just got drilled into your head like you know if you go to a bar you end up dead in the gutter right and so i did and, and you then i didn't in the gutter. how weird was that and then i did it again and i still wasn't and i was like man someone is not yeah but yeah. i think that's when i first started to like well, it's kind of like the, cards started it's crumble. the sip of alcohol like as soon as you take a sip that's it well, i didn't drink the whole time that's wild no, i'm yeah. not saying that i'm just saying like it's the same concept that they have of right, like, right. oh, well, you take you look at one naughty picture and suddenly you're addicted to pornography and you you have one dirty thought and now you're you're a prostitute. Like, no, I guess not. Well, and I had started having sex with my girlfriend at that yeah. point. Oh, well, that's a big that's a big that trigger. A big it's a real big trigger right there. 
Because so, so much shit is put on that. Oh, yeah. It's huge. So... Actually, I think the most shit is put on I that. I broke up with her and left Cobb simultaneously, but still felt very connected there because yeah. lost my virginity there. Right. So well, like, and you were there for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Well, connected to her. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Not that place. Yeah. Um, you were there for a minute. <laughs> okay, no more details on that, please. <laughs> so, um... So she like, anyway, she came back into my yeah. life, and or I came back into hers. I don't know. We started, so we broke up in November. That's when I left college. Mm-hmm. In February, we were talking again. In March, we were engaged. Oh wow! In June, we were married. In August, okay. she was pregnant. Okay, you're Baptist. And then all of a sudden, like you're just back into it, right? Yeah. yeah. And by default, almost. Yeah. Like there's no there's no other way around it. Like this is what it is. Now. That's what we're doing now. Yeah, I got you. You know, that was for the next three years. So we left Rhodes Church, yeah. which was a huge deal. Fucked up my family. Oh, my yeah. parents are pissed. And that's your home church. That's where your folks go. Yeah. Um, and we started going to a similar but different church. Why did you leave that home. church? She was pissed about something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, forget what, but that's it. why. Yeah. All right. That's why. And I wasn't unhappy to change. You weren't like, oh, no, I fucking hate this. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, okay, fine. Let's go. So, um, so we started going to a different church. It was still independent, still Baptist, sure. but a little different. Yeah. We used canned music, okay. a little bit of CCM, a little in, more in the choir, ecumenical, if you will. Yeah, yeah, but still very Baptist. Yeah, like the principles, the teachings, the preaching is probably very similar. I did appreciate having had some theology training. Yeah. Now having a pastor who actually preached, like expository sermons. Yeah. You know, and felt like he had a little bit better understanding of the mm-hmm. Bible. Mark, you know, is a good guy, and I think he probably is a decent theologian. Brain, brain, man. But when I was growing up, he was very much the preach politics from the pulpit. Right. It was all standards, yeah. preference, mm-hmm. opinion, mm-hmm. and very little theological content. Right. Very little theological content growing up. Um, and I think he shifted away from that a little bit. Um, I mean, I have a lot of issues with that church and that family, yeah. but. Um, it was a refreshing thing to hear a pastor actually talk about scripture. And sure. At that point, I still cared very much in, about that. In like a constructive manner, not beating yeah. you over the head so much, maybe. Right. Yeah. Cool. So then, um, so we were but there. That's a, de- that's, that's a devolving process, though, because when you leave that home church, you know, and, and people are upset about it, parents are upset about it, families are upset about a it. Huge shift. So leaving the faith is something that I talk about a lot, whether it's on my personal Facebook page or here on the podcast. Um, and I think there's some interesting perspectives that you can give us on where you're at now, which we'll get to, and then kind of what was, you know, what was a breaking point or what kind of got you started. And I don't, of course, everyone, we all have our own personal lives and there's some things that, you know, people aren't comfortable sharing some things that they are. And I completely understand this is a public forum. So we're always as delicate as we can be, not with people who've been assholes to us, like Brian Cassidy and, and so on. But, um, you know, people that are still involved in our lives in one in one facet or another. So for me, one of the biggest things, and honestly, I, I don't want to not talk about it, and I, although I do want to be delicate about it, but for me, one of the big things um, in leaving was the breaking of a relationship. Um, you know, whether it's divorce or breaking up with a significant other, that's something that I think for a lot of people, whether it is, it's so often either the catalyst for what makes it all happen, what makes everything fall apart, or you have to completely rebuild, or it's the result of breaking away from religion. I've seen so many marriages and just relationships 
um, after they leave the religion or after they try to transition to something else, the relationship doesn't last. I'm not saying unequivocally every single time, but quite often that is the case. And so do you have kind of a point where you said, because obviously things are devolving as far as the story that you're, yeah. your story that you're telling now, things are devolving and it's getting like, not so much a snowball maybe, or maybe it is, but it's kind of like, not bad or worse either, but just like, okay, now I'm seeing this and I'm seeing that and I'm realizing this is not for me. Was there a point when you were like, hey, this really isn't for me and I'm putting feet to pavement on it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think like if you're drawing like a line graph of yeah. my like faith journey, mm-hmm. I was definitely on a downward slope, okay. but there was like this really significant upswing where, you know, we joined a new church. Yeah. Yeah. I was a deacon. I was teaching a Sunday school class. Mm-hmm. We were very involved. Um, but my home life was a, was a real wreck. Yeah. You know, and there was a lot of verbal and sure. emotional abuse, and mm-hmm. uh, that all came to a head. And so I made a decision to, like you mentioned, to end the relationship right. and leave my wife. Yeah. And um, when that happened, um, and, and it, it was very jarring, sir, because yeah. you know I think one of the things that we don't talk about enough is that people who have grown up in the cult and where you going have. Yeah. Their complete social and emotional structure built into that. Our white picket fence is all set up for Every us. single thing that's your yeah. friends, that's your family, that's every mm-hmm. single thing that you're connected mm-hmm. to. And I think my expectation was, after hearing years of sermons of, you know, you know, bring the lost sheep in, and those yeah, kind yeah. of things, mm-hmm. that there was going to be this emotional support structure. Right. And what I found was this complete vacuum. Yep. Yeah. Um, and not even, I, vacuum is the wrong word, because no, that I would actually be nothing. Yeah. It went completely on its head. Yeah. And all of the people that... Everyone's shitting on you. Every single person. Yeah. Um, I feel that. <laughs> it was... I mean, it was violent. It was yep. vitriol. It was... It was... Uh, it was a great... It was awful. You know? And, and I found myself completely unprepared for it. Yeah. How do you prepare for that? Uh, I don't think you can. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think you and can. And I think people who have more... Um, what we in the, in the cult... So a lot of people understand this. We would call secular knowledge or real-world experience... Are more prepared because us we've been so incredibly sheltered even going out in tampa even living it up even enjoying you know whatever parts of life you enjoyed maybe sans religion you're still not ready for something like that no. and in my opinion it you know your support system like you're saying your structure your job your spouse everything comes out of that community but on top of that since you were a child and this is not to be sexist at all but there's kind of a prevailing notion that the wedding day is primarily for the bride Right, like that, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying that's a prevailing concept in our culture, or at least in our subculture. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, even as a young man, since you were a child, you know, you were going to either work in full time Christian service or support someone who did. You were going to be a part of the church. And you were going to have this Christine family. You're going to be there every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And like, if that, this is something I've talked to my therapist about a, a little bit recently. If that doesn't happen for you, or if that exact version that you picked in your head as a young adult, as a teenager, as a child, when that either happens and then is blown apart, whether you blow it apart or someone else says, I don't give a fuck, the fact that it gets blown apart, um, it, it just it just everything is like, oh my God, like now my life, you, I think a lot of us, maybe not everyone, but I think a lot of us, when that happens or when the version of that happens, it's like, now I'm no good. I'm broken, I'm no good, and the people, like you were saying, sorry, I'm on a tangent here, the people, like you were saying, that you thought would be there to support you and help you through this, 
are not only not supporting, they're being detrimental yeah. to you as a human being. Yeah. It's not about growth. It's not about health. It's about you're the bad guy now. Fuck you. Don't ever come back. Don't ever darken our doors. Don't talk to us. Mm-hmm. Don't message us. Don't reach out. Not even not even saying you were reaching out for help. Mm-hmm. Just to excuse me, continue to have a relationship. It's not going to happen. Right. In fact, I'm going to use you as a sermon illustration. I'm going to talk down to you, whatever it is. And so I think that that is something that needs to be talked about more. We don't have to talk about it extensively here. But just that notion that when you grow up, this is how it's going to be. When I grow up, I'm going to be a fireman. Well, yeah. we grow up, we have this notion of how our life is going to go. And we've worked really – and it's not just like pie in the sky. Most of us – and I'm not just saying men. All of us that grew up in the IFB worked really fucking hard to make sure that our life went exactly how our pastor, our parents, everyone told us it had to go. And then when it falls apart, it's like I, I'm. It, it's well, it's, it's not a suicidal thing, but it's just like, and maybe for some people it is, but it's just like it's over now. What the fuck am I gonna do? I think that was a difficult. I was. I definitely had a. I mean, I definitely had sitting in the car with that a face. gun in my lap okay. at some point. You know, like, um, I, I found myself feeling very frustrated. You know, especially as I was putting a new marriage together mm-hmm. and I had all this baggage from partying in Tampa and stuff, sure. you know, I did Reformers Unanimous, okay. I did the counseling, we did all this yeah. stuff. So I had done a lot of work, and I found myself really frustrated with God, you know. Because you're not enough, or? Just that I've done all the things okay. I was asked and supposed to not do. To, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've met all of the expectations. Right. And now I find myself in a situation that's actually harmful to me. I'm married to somebody who hurts me who's yeah yeah back to me mm-hmm. and i'm not i'm not trying to excuse the fact that i'm ending my marriage right i knew what that decision was for sure i wasn't trying to be flippant about right. it i just wanted somebody to be there for me yeah and to find like you say just not not only an absence of support but a complete attack yeah devastated me yeah um completely oh, devastated was, yeah and so I stepped completely out of church. Yeah. And really had a, you know, atheist, agnostic, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, mm-hmm. phase where I was just like, done. Right. Fuck it all. I don't have use for this. This yep. failed me completely. Yeah. All of the things that I expected out of it yeah. when I needed it were not there. Yep. And to be fair, I, you know, in my faith journey, I think I've learned that those expectations are, are bullshit. Yeah. No, they're wildly... Unreal. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the cult teaches us to have expectations right. of our faith and of the people around us mm-hmm. in our faith that are just completely bullshit. Well, they're not bullshit. They're they're bullshit, but when you're on the inside and you're going through the motions, they seem like they're not bullshit. And it's it's not until you're on the outside right. that you see how that's it's bullshit. That's when you need them. But that's when you can really see that they're bullshit. You can't see it on the inside because no. everyone is, oh, great job, brother, and oh. You know, when everyone's coming over to your house for this or that, and you're going to their place and everything's cool, and everyone's, you know, circle jerking it until you get out and you're like, well, and you're taught so specifically to ignore and forget about the people that leave the circle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. And that's why I'm that, not- that it never crosses your mind that we're not doing the things we promised these people we would do because you're just taught to forget about them, to ignore mm-hmm. them. They've lost, you know, that, that fit. There's a curtain yeah. there. Yep. Yeah. And so you never are given the opportunity to think about, like, wait, why aren't we helping that person? That's what we promised we'd do. Because you excommunicate them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's the same with family, too. You yeah. get rid of them because they're not, they're, not, um, they're not serving your needs. They're not part of the cult. They're not whatever. 
and you become that black sheep like I called uh, when I had my first. And I won't go into that in great detail, but I called you because you were the black sheep. I was. You were my freshman year black sheep, and I was like, oh my god, this thing, I don't know if I get into it, but this thing finally happened, and you were the first but and only person I called. isn't it amazing that, like, for those things that are so taboo to yeah. that conversation, the people that we find a safe space with are the people that we've been told to forget about. Not associate with you know, whatsoever. And, and it's interesting to me that it takes so long for so many people to connect those dots, because I know so the experience forever. that yeah. you and I had with each other in that moment, yeah. at that time, is not a unique experience. Oh, fuck no. No, there's no way. Um, no. You know, and That's not the first time or the last time. It just, I, I think it speaks to the level of brainwashing and the oh, level yeah. of just complete delusion that people in the cult are are put through. Yeah. Um, that you're 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 intellectually aware that the person that is the bad person right. is also a safe space for things that yeah. you can't talk to your mom about, can't talk to your pastor about, can't talk to your friends about. Yep. But you can talk to that person. And we know that intellectually while also believing simultaneously that we can't talk to that person about literally anything else. And you can't let anyone know that you're talking to that person. And the contradiction there is so fucking vivid. Yeah. But you just don't, you don't see it, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, it's a really devastating realization, you know, and and so the years that followed that, so really these last seven years, Mm -hmm. because after that separation, I moved up here to Daytona, which Mm -hmm. is where I'm at now, Mm -hmm. and and since I've been up here, I've done some non-denominational stuff. Yeah. I've been here and there and everywhere while also combating parents that are still in the IFB <laughs> while, you know, rebuilding a relationship with a sister who's come out of the IFB right. but is still faith-connected. Right. Um, while having a brother who replaced me as the missionary golden right. child. Right. Like, right. Um, That's always fun. You know, so, like, there's been all of this kind of happening in the background while I've also been trying to really confront my own faith ethic and, yeah. and understand what that looks like. Yeah. And, the last, can, yeah. Can you explain that term to me? Because you used it earlier, and I was very interested to hear. What does that mean? What's faith ethic to you? So I've been, you know, I'm sure a lot of your viewers and listeners are connected to some of these expat Facebook groups. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's like the uh, Hiles expats or just mm-hmm. IFB expats. And and it's been really interesting to watch those conversations happen over the last couple of years. Yeah. And as I've been going through my own faith journey. And um, and to notice like the difference in conversations that people yeah. have, and I'm I'm convinced right now that like people fall into one of like three buckets mm. post IFB, mm-hmm. you know, people that are expats that have come out of the right. Uh, the, the the first bucket is the people who just like the pendulum swings right. completely. Fuck all of it. They're atheists. They God's not real. Right. Whatever. And then there's a, there's kind of a middle ground of this like non denominational, faith connected, IFB rejecting. You know, they still definitely identify, you know, with faith, with yeah. Christianity, but mm-hmm. they are really rejecting of the kind of legalism. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And then there's the group that is still, you know, I call them like IFB light. Like, yeah. they are, they still kind of are connected to the IFB, but they've really separated themselves from the abuse. They are yeah. very condemnatory of a lot of the really ugly things that yeah. have come to light. And... There's a conversation happening between those three, three, three groups that's really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> because they all say, fucking hate right, each other. Right. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. A lot of them really do. Yeah, yeah. And they have really difficult conversations with each yeah. other. And I think that's an interesting dynamic. I heard a podcast, so Good Christian... Think, f- sorry, yeah. really quick. I think when you start here, these guys that are swinging the pendulum super mm-hmm. hard, I could be wrong. Because this is probably the group I'm the closest to. I feel like these guys' conversation, these other two, nothing against them, but these guys are the easiest to talk to. Because they're just like, oh, I don't care. Fuck it. 
Or do you agree or disagree with that? I disagree because I think I disagree. I think that this group has the biggest problem with this group, with the yeah, with the, the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that because they want the separate. They're okay right. with this group that has taken right. the name off the sign. Right. But the group that still has that identity, right. they still go to the family dinners, they still mm-hmm. go to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. This group is saying to these guys, how could you? Yeah. I, I, I get it. Okay. Sorry, continue. And don't say you're not a part of it right. when I've had that conversation. In practice, you yeah. still are. So um, I was listening to a podcast about a year ago. So great podcast, good Christian fun. Um, so we don't promote any other podcasts here. Sorry, most podcasts. Oh, yes. So we'll go ahead and edit yeah, that out. <laughs> no, what's going on? Do they have a site? Good Christian fun. Good yeah. Christian fun. Yeah, okay. look them up on Facebook or okay. Instagram. Cool. A couple of Christian kids nice. that are really—they talk about Christian pop culture. They also oh, have fun. some really in-depth conversations about faith and faith journey. Hmm. And they were talking really uh, in depth about. By the, the way, Andrew's nail is not painted. That's a uh, no, I smashed <laughs> When I landed, I was like, I don't like. I know you're into some shit that I'm not into. But I was like, I don't know about this one. You're gonna have to tell me what rock band you're in. So anyway, sorry. Go ahead. So they were. I saw your finger, and I was like, I want to explain. They were having a conversation around uh, purity culture. Yeah. And, oh God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's another podcast. But <laughs> that's um, another couple podcasts. They had a conversation about sexual ethic. Yeah. And just the idea of like what you believe about sex and consent mm-hmm. and these kind of things should dictate how you actually practice what sex and consent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to say, it's another thing and to do, do it. Yeah. I thought that was a really neat package to put yeah. um, faith and practice in together. Yeah. yeah. And so I've just kind of been trying to like work through this idea of like what my personal faith ethic is. So you're coining this phrase for us. I'm maybe. I'm not, I don't know if I'm that smart. But, you know, here's what I believe theologically. Yeah. Here's what I believe spiritually. And how does that then translate into how I live? And more specifically, how I interact with other people. Yeah. And the conversations that I have. You know, and um, I find myself frustrated, Stuart, when I watch the conversation that's happening right now yeah. with the expat community. Are you kind of like, why can't we all get along? A little bit, yeah. and that sounds really touchy feely. No, 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 it's not. It's is a reason that that phrase has gained so much popularity. It's not just because of who said it. It's really true. Like that, we all have such a similar background, and I think at the core, especially even all three of those groups you're talking about, I love the distinction you made. I think we all really want the same thing, mm-hmm. and that is to put the past behind us. And, and I know that's, that's super cliche, but put the put the past behind us and move forward into some new place of understanding. Whether it's not caring about spirituality, whether it's caring about it deeply, or whether it's having a full understanding of what it looks like to us and being happy in that understanding, whatever it is, I think we all want something very similar. I don't want to be super clear. It's different. I want to be super clear because specifically with the cult that you and I came out of, mm-hmm. there's a caveat here with the uh, with the conversation around abuse mm-hmm. and sexual abuse mm-hmm. specifically. You know, and I do not think that there is room in the conversation. For abuse apologists. Uh, explain that for me. Abuse is abuse. You need to condemn it. Right. And call it what the fuck it is. Whether it's verbal, sexual, spiritual, Doesn't whatever matter. it is. Yeah, abuse is abuse. Yeah, and yeah. nobody in the conversation... What's a, what's a verbal apologist, though? Or uh, abuse apologist? So somebody who says, well, I know they did something bad to you, but they're still uh, a good person. There's no but after that, though. Right, exactly. Okay. And the but is where it ends. That's, yeah. where, the, that's where it stops. Yeah. That's where the line's drawn. And there's also absolutely no room in the conversation where somebody who has not been abused gets to tell a victim yeah. how to process their abuse. Agreed. Period. Full Agreed. stop. You know, um, I'm going to be surprised. believe that we're this far in and you just said full stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new phrase. That's Andrew's new phrase. So the fact that he just said it 
That's very interesting to me. Sorry, continue. No, so, you know, I'm an abuse survivor, and okay. I actually witnessed a conversation online not long ago where, yeah. um, you know, there was a difficult conversation yeah. happening around some people that you've talked about on your podcast. Sure. And, um, you know, and some comments were made, well, but, well, what, but, mm-hmm. well, but what? And, um, and I think that that is actually where a lot of the you know, unproductive conversation in our community yeah. comes from. Yeah. You know, and if we could, I feel like if we could fix that piece. Yeah. Listen, if you are, if you're at a place in your faith journey where you still, because of your family, because of your job, yeah. because of whatever, need to stay connected to an environment that I'm not comfortable with anymore, but you also can recognize what's wrong, call it for what it is. Yeah. And, and and stand your ground, I'm good with you. Yeah. Also, why are you sticking around? But I, I'm good with it, yeah. <laughs> but I can't live your life for you. Right, 100%. And, and I'm also coming from a place where my my journey out of the IFB mm-hmm. was jarring. Oh, yeah. yeah. I got rocket, sh- yeah. rocket shipped out of it. Rocket ship, I like that. When I got divorced yeah. and everybody in my community took a shit on me. Yeah. And not yeah. everybody has that same experience. Some people are coming to the place that I'm at now just by learning and just mm-hmm. by growing and by listening and by being self-aware. So far more gradual process. And not, not, for nothing, that's actually a better process. Way the better. journey that I took was super unhealthy. But it's also very accelerated. And so I think that's where, if, if I'm getting what you're saying correctly, I think that's where we get that rift between these groups is... People like me and you, and there's a few others, where our our exit from the IFB, our exit from this cult was very sudden, very deliberate, and very like, okay, well, fuck you, because you're saying fuck me, and I'm out. And there's others who have actually found a way to get the education they need, the right education to understand why what's going on is wrong, and have taken the right steps. But that's a more gradual process. So in these three groups you mentioned, there's people at every stage of that process. So it can be very that's frustrating it. for those of us that are... Not necessarily made our mind up or our journey's over, because that's most of us. We are very aware that our mind could change any time, and our journey is long as fuck until we die, right? But for those of us on that, still on that side, it can be very frustrating because these people are at these other stages, and it's like, why can't you? Like, you got it. It's right there. Like, why can't you fucking just? Why can't you get the rest of it together? Yeah. Why can't you see what I can see? But I think that there, the frustration is human. Yes. Agreed. And that's where, you know, and I identify as Christian. Mm-hmm. I identify as spiritual. So I'm going to have to ask you to leave the podcast. No, okay, that's good. I, I wanted you to bring that up. I wanted to talk about what kind of where you I landed, but where you feel like you're at right now. And I think that, but I, I do think that the principle of grace is, it, it, it supersedes denomination and it supersedes yeah. faith. Because grace is just the element of, being able to empathize with a person's individual understanding of the world around them. Sure. And to understand that just like I don't understand everything in your perspective, yeah. you don't understand everything in mine. No. And it wouldn't be fair for me to demand that of you. It's not fair of you to demand that, that of you. Me. Yeah. Um, and so I think that in this broad conversation, because I think that there's something really special happening in the expat community mm-hmm. right now. Where we are transitioning away from a legalistic understanding of yeah. scripture yeah. and a legalistic faith ethic, mm-hmm. where I had a conversation on Facebook the other day. It was a short conversation, um, but I I brought up a question in reference to a theological question that was asked, and 
Um, and I stated specifically that, you know, um, in reference to your question, mm -hmm. Christ gave two commandments. But well, let's, we're not going to get super detailed. I know the conversation, the question was about church discipline, right? The question was about church discipline, yeah. excommunication versus um, uh, 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 reconciliation. Yeah. And I just generally ask the question, yeah. how does church discipline fit into an ecumenical view of scripture? Mm -hmm. Which is what most people in 2019 share. Yeah. Yeah, who's got worth a damn. And yeah. I knew for a fact that the person who asked the question to begin with comes from currently an ecumenical standpoint. Right. I just want to know. So that's why you felt like it was, that's part of why you felt like you asked the question. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. And, you know, and so he immediately referenced um, several passages from Paul and Peter, yep. which I expected, yep. because that's where church discipline comes from. Yep. Those guys and so assholes. my counter was, you know, well, this Paul. isn't something that Jesus talked about. First of all, Jesus yeah. only talked about the church for like four verses, yeah. and it's the Very same brief. four verses in all four Gospels. Mm -hmm. And second of all, he never talked about anybody, about yeah. kicking anybody out of yeah. it. Yeah. So why is this a conversation? And the response was, if the only thing in Scripture you believe is what Jesus said, then the conversation's over. And, you know, and, and that, and to be <laughs> fair, he was right, Stuart, because I really for him, know, he was right. But also for me, because okay. I, I really support a spiritual view of Scripture that says Jesus was the end-all, be-all. That's why the letters are a different color. <laughs> That's the whole point. And anything else in Scripture either supports it or creates context mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't give us faith in practice. And so when I talk about faith ethic, yeah. that's really what I'm trying to talk about. Yeah. Is that like I want to be living my life in a way right now where I love and appreciate the words that Jesus said. Sure. And I view the rest of Scripture as either support or context it's, for those who are... It's a supporting test. Yeah. yeah. This is why we don't hate gay people. Right. This is why we don't hate trans people. This is why we don't stone our children this outside the city. This is why we don't care about smoking or alcohol. Yeah. This is why we don't stone our children outside the city. Yeah. Because none of those things were part of Jesus' story. And if his whole thing was to demolish everything that happened in the first half of the book... And then to set a standard for everything that came after, they give you two commandments. Yep. The first is that you love God. The second is that you love each other. Yeah, that was it. That yeah. was it. Full stop. <laughs> but that, but that can be. And, and 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 I and I know there's so much more to the Bible than that. And like, how are you going to have church every week if that's all there is to it? I understand all that. But the, the truth is, what is it on on these? The only hang explanation the, for that is hang the law, hang all the law, and the prophet, the prophets, right? On like, these. Yeah, like that's that's really it. Like if and if you listen, if you fucking listen to a lot of the music, the everything, like the movement that's going on that says to love people is such a beautiful thing, and it's huge and all encompassing and it's worldwide. It's a beautiful thing. But when you get you can't get your head out of the sand, also known as the Old Testament, it really creates a problem for you in the real world. It's not just inside and outside of the culture with your family members because you can't see eye to eye, eye to eye it creates a problem for you on a bigger scale because you cannot see past all the legalism and all the bullshit and i know i'm just ranting against the ifb now but that's the truth no it's 100 percent the truth but it's also the problem with the expat community right now okay. i love all of you but this is where we're fucked up is because i think most people agree with that faith then mm -hmm. i really do mm -hmm. Um, but, but we get so hung up on the differences in the conversation that we're yeah. having that we don't get to the actual heart. If we can cut through the bullshit conversation yeah. we're having about we, why we don't like each other, mm -hmm. even though we're all in the same boat, we're just at different ends of it. Yes, yes. 
and actually begin to focus on a faith story that really gets back to what Jesus taught, we're going to change the fucking world. Yeah, absolutely. And I really think that when Christianity makes a resurgence, not... Not that Christianity. Not that Christianity. Not the medieval one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the Christianity that I think Jesus wanted yeah. and that Jesus taught. Yeah. You know, that's something that literally can change the world, that can change lives, that's changed my life. Mm-hmm. I didn't think God existed five years ago. Sure. You know, and I'm looking for a church right now. So, you know, but that was a transition of understanding what the Bible actually was trying to say. It wasn't, obviously, that's not an overnight thing. Either. It's not. So, but I, I, I think people can take heart in that. And it's not so much, and don't get me wrong here, I'm not trying to be offensive to you or anyone that's in where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, that's not so much to say take heart because finally you'll believe in God. No, take heart because it's, it's I don't know, I don't know the way to say it, but it's going to be okay. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, whatever, wherever you end up, whatever side you come out on, wherever it ends up, like, it's going to be okay, and if you can get with, which everyone can, and it's, it's again, it sounds so base, but just the love everybody kind of idea, whether that leads you, this is my opinion, so tell me that you don't agree with it, awesome. Whether that opinion and that belief of love your neighbor as yourself, you know, love, love God, love your neighbor, all that jazz, whether that is, whether when you end up there, that also takes you to God or not, if you end up there, sweet. Well, and I I think that there's room in the conversation for a broader understanding of who God is. Oh, there ha- there there absolutely has to be room because we have a very and what God is. The way we were raised, that we were brought up, there's a very narrow view of God. There are people that are now on staff at the college and would never admit they said this. Um, actually, the president of the college, of Hazard Anderson College, currently that uh, I was that they said by my parents who had considered a very reputable source that they were told by Jack Scott so I know I'm, I'm all over the grapevine here but it really goes back to the main guy that God, he sees God as a very angry God like our God is a very angry God and if you look at everything we endured and everything we put on other people and the way we were treated yeah, that's the act of an angry God, absolutely yeah. but again, when you can come out the other side or on your journey as you're going you find this whether you find that God or not, there's no there's no room, there's no place for that. Now, and I don't get into politics on here at all, but like just looking at the um, the temperature of our nation, that's not the right way to say it, but like there's a lot of anger, a lot of divisiveness, a lot of people that have this team mentality of my way or the highway and my team's right and I don't care what my team leader did or didn't do. Like this is who I am and I find my identity here. And, and I get all that and I think – in, in some ways, there may be a place for that, but it's quite often um, misguided because you can't see you can't see your neighbor. You can't see all you can see is the other team, and you can't see like, hey, that's another person. Uh, we were talking about I think we were talking about this earlier, talking about maybe meeting you know famous people or people that have been uh, infamous, I should say, uh, and not not even necessarily just people people from today, just people in general that have made a name for themselves that are quite infamous. And when you meet them in person, they're not mean. And I'm not trying to change anyone's mind about anyone. That's not the goal here. But like the the interpersonal relationships that they have, like I, I won't I won't give a lot I won't give any names, but I heard a guy recently talking about 
a world leader that a lot of us have great disdain for. And he said, this guy's one of my, I know you guys don't like him, but he's one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. He did this for me and this for me and this for me. And the reason I won't bring his name up is because I'm not trying to divide anyone because it's so easy to do. But when you think of other people as just people, and I'm not saying, I've got to be careful because I'm not saying that people aren't defined by their actions. They absolutely are. That's not to say that one person can't be nice to someone and be total dick to someone else or a whole other race or a country of people. Absolutely they can. But meeting someone face-to-face -face and in person is quite often is very different than the conversation that you had on Facebook. I think, you know, I think that if you look at the story of Christ and you contextualize it in the bigger picture of like yeah. the, the human journey, the only people Jesus beat over the head with religious people were religious people. <laughs> It's true. He got drunk with horse. Yeah. He hung out with his boys. Mm -hmm. They went fishing. Yeah. And along the way, he tried to teach some very important lessons about how to interact with each other. Mm -hmm. And he tried to point people back to something that was higher than himself. Yes. Yes. Okay. So if that's your context for who Christ is, and then you look at the Bible as either supporting or contextualizing yeah. that story, then it's really easy for me to get along with Muslims. Yeah. It's really easy for me to get along with Buddhists. Because they're all approaching life the exact same way. It's the exact same story. Yeah, it's the same narrative. There's a guy yep. who tried to take a, a big picture look at the world and the human journey. He tried to point people to something bigger than himself and also encourage them to get along with each other while they were yeah. doing it. What is wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and that's the way it should be. And yeah. that's why I'm very hopeful for... For the, for the group of us that have yeah. come out of the IFB, because we have a very strong theological understanding of Scripture, and yep. not for, I, I support everything that people sure. believe, but the Bible, the Christian Bible, is a very big part of the broad faith it's conversation. Program, yeah. So it's, it's worldwide. Yep. yep. If we can create a conversation within that that says, hey, you guys are looking at this too macular. One-dimensionally, one yeah. Pull your microscope back a little yep. bit. There was a dude who was on Earth for 30 years. Yep. He really cared about getting people. 33. 33. <laughs> All by See? The age of Christ. You fucked it up. Um, he wanted people to look at something a little bit bigger than themselves. He wanted yep. them to get along. Yeah. You know, and and, if, and so faith ethic. Yes. If that's how I approach my life. Yeah. If I'm walking into every day saying... Am I living in a way that's bigger than myself? Mm -hmm. Am I doing my very best to get along with the people around me? To love them, to encourage them, to lift them up, to be a force of positive change in their lives. Yeah. I'm succeeding. You know, I'm, there's success in that. Yeah. Um, the success that Christ would have wanted. I think so. Yeah, I believe, I really think so. Really so. Yeah. I really think so. I agree with that. And if you decide not to identify that principle with Jesus Christ, our it, Lord. It doesn't have to be. It's not, it's not um, what's the word? The end goal is the same. Um, it is, yeah, the end goal is the same. I'm trying to remember the word that Josh, or a phrase that Josh Owens helped me understand better. Uh, mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. It doesn't It doesn't have to be Jesus in the Bible. It can be, you know, Buddha and, what would that be? Some Tao? Well, and then, and, but, then you, but then you really get to enrich your life with, you know, there's yeah. some beautiful tradition out there. That, yeah. Speaking about the Talmud, like yeah. the Jewish tradition, mm -hmm. one of my best friends in the world, Scott, is, is Jewish. Mm -hmm. And he's introduced me to some beautiful Jewish traditions, yeah. you know, that I never would have encountered no, with the closed-minded idea yeah. of, 
you know. Well, you were too busy. You crucified Christ. Right. Well, you're too busy trying to convince Jews that Jesus is the Messiah, mm-hmm. and you're so focused on that that there's nothing else. And I miss yeah. this beautiful appreciation yeah. for the Old Testament. Yeah. This reverence for who Jesus is. They love Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He's dope. Uh, if you ask a Jew, what do you think about Jesus? He was one of our best. Yeah. Is what they'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and so then you, you, know, you start to get this really broad understanding of the world that we live in mm-hmm. and, and the human experience. So just pulling back from that and kind of allowing yourself to see the bigger picture, the life enrichment that comes from that alone. There's so many things that make it worth it, I believe. But just the enrichment of your life. That, well, this is my, my example of that, and this is something that I got some eye-roll um, GIFs on Facebook for, and it's fine. But I posted... GIFs? GIFs. GIFs. Um, GIFs. I, I knew someone would get me eventually. Uh, but I posted... I was watching The Cosmos mm-hmm. with uh, Neil deGrasse yeah. Tyson. Super well-done piece of work, which is a... I don't know if it's a remake or a continuation, but um, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. But I posted how much I was enjoying it, and part of the reason I was able to enjoy it was because every time Neil deGrasse said gazillions or whatever, how many years old the earth was, I didn't have to be like, well, pause it and tell Chloe it's something different. Or like have a grunt or be upset by it. Like, And that doesn't mean that I necessarily fully entire believe, entirely believe everything he's saying. But at the same time, I don't have to combat it. Whether that is... And why should we? Exactly. Then. How because... long have we been putting ourselves in a position to be... Theoretical experts on arguments that we have absolutely no, no information on. Yeah. You know what? The Earth could be six thousand years old. Yeah, sure. The Earth could be six gazillion years old. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. I wasn't fucking there, man. Now there's science to promote one of those, and there's not science to promote the other. So there's that, and we're not going to get into that today. I'm going to list. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm probably going to lean into the guys that have spent their entire life's work gaining that education. Not someone that read a book three hundred times. The same book. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> Anyways, that's my microcosm uh, example of what you're saying is I can just watch idea. this and enjoy it. Like, and then I, and I can just leave, let it be what it is and, and enjoy this great pro- programming on my TV. But imagine the freedom of being able to disagree with something and still learn from it. That's really difficult, dude. That's really difficult because of the way I'm wired. Because of that's how, how we were raised. taught. Yeah. That's, if that's you disagree with it, it's wrong and you hate it. I'm glad that you brought that up because that is such a, a amazing concept that is so hard to let happen. It's so difficult. So let's pull that back to the conversation yeah. that, that started this with our yeah. three buckets. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, folks, I love all of you, but there is room in this conversation to say, I don't have your experience, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but you have something to teach me. Yeah. And if I can set aside my prejudice for a minute, because that's what it is, Mm -hmm. if I can set aside my prejudice for a minute and just listen to you, to understand you, to empathize with you, um, because at the end of the day, we all come from the same place. Yeah. If you're in one of those three buckets, we all yeah. have the same. We were brought up the same way. We went to the same yep. college. We yep. went to the same high school. Yep. Whatever. We've got the same background. Mm-hmm. There is room for empathy yeah. to say, I don't 100%. necessarily agree with you, but I can learn from you. Yes, dude. From everyone. And in learning, in learning, you'll find agreement. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I like that. You'll find agreement. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. In learning, you'll find agreement. Well... Unless, I don't, I don't want to keep you from anything, but that's, I think a great that, that's a great way to end it. In learning, you'll find agreement. And um, that doesn't necessarily have to be your goal setting out. Maybe you could just be, you know, trying to have a conversation without getting pissed off for once, which is hard for goal. some of us. But it's a beautiful goal. So thank you for allowing me into your studio here, Andrew Gall. Uh, <laughs> this has been an amazing 
uh, tour we had. And uh, I, I honestly, in all sincerity, I'm so happy that we were finally able to do this. Exactly. I say that often, but this is a very special episode for me, so I'm super grateful yeah. that. Cheers. Um, cheers. That we were, you can have some of your ice. That we were able to finally make this happen on Not Your Mother's podcast. And um, I don't really have a set outro, but I do always like to say that I'm grateful. This is a fairly long episode, not our longest, but this is fairly long. So if you have stuck around for this reunion 15 years in the making. 15 years. And this podcast, at least a year in the making, and uh, this discussion between me and my freshman roommate, then I'm grateful that you guys took the time to be stuck around this long. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Andrew Gall. Um, you know, you can look him up on social media. Um, I'm sure he'd be happy to get in an argument with you about something. I'm no, just kidding. But um, uh, if you have questions for him, feel free to message the podcast or drop them here. Uh, he follows the podcast, so he'll see your, your questions or we can answer them. And we can message him and he can answer you via us. But thank you guys so much for sticking around for this episode, very special episode of Not Your Mother's Podcast. Cheers.